I want you to tell me what these fellas look like. Well, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. In what way? I don't know, just funny looking. Can you be any more specific? I couldn't really say. He wasn't circumcised. Was he funny looking apart from that? Yeah. So, you were having sex with a little fella then? Uh-huh. Is there anything else you can tell me about him? No. Like I say, he was funny looking. More than most people even. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name is Ian. And I'm Liam. I'm Ellie. And I'm Ethan. Hey, and we are all here for episode number 58. Wow. Fargo. Incredible. Isn't that what Moana sang about? But no one knows <laughs> about Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's putting his partner in the wood chipper. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Spoilers. The sheriff knows his blood's on the snow. <laughs> I got, I promise you people, I have not practiced this. No, I am no. just riffing. Uh, and yes. we are terrific today. Episode 58. Oh 58. I'll tell you why we're terrific as well, because we are charting in the following countries. Ooh, like the United States of America. America. Canada, Canada, Australia, Germany. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Australia's goodbye. Germany. Cool. <laughs> Denmark, Japan, Italy. Number thirty-nine. We were number fifty here at home in the UK. Number twenty-seven in Switzerland, and number twenty-two in Malaysia. Cool. All around the world. Yeah. One Gallagher might have sang about. Being written by the previous Gallagher. Gotta spread the word. We do. Tell them what we heard. How far <laughs> we'll go. <laughs> um, so that is that. A uh, quick series of some promos. Last week we did Silence of the Lambs. That's still up. Ob- well, they're all up. They don't come down. So <laughs> Silence of the Lambs is a recent one. We did. What did we release Friday? Was that Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy Grey's finally yes. dropped. <laughs> finally dropped on Friday. And uh, we did our final of the episodes of Wanda Revision. We have. So that was up there as of Monday, so yesterday. And we have a fun little one on the 1961 version of The Parent Trap. Yeah. Haley Mills and Haley Mills. Haley Mills and Haley Mills. I quite liked that. Oh, I did. I did. And that's in the talk in the Mickey feed. So if you go ahead, follow us. And if you didn't quite catch it, you, heck, you know us. If you follow us at all, hit us up on the Twitter. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. I mean, it's just, it's just quite simply that. I mean, we're not, we're, we're not hard to engage with. On that note, it's time for some reflections and corrections from Yay, last week. This is my favorite part. <laughs> Lots of people wanted to talk about pepper. And I don't mean pepper pots from Iron Man. <laughs> Lots of people going, what's this thing about peppers, Ellie? Ooh. <laughs> So, not one about it. I don't like. Oh, you don't like it? Okay. Um, something I got to bring up. I'll do it nice and early here. Now, I gave Carlo a hard time, arguably justifiably. Okay. For his saying that only six pictures have had best actor and best actress. And I felt very smug over Carlo. Mm-hmm. And then he corrected me uh, by saying, "You said 25th anniversary of Silence of the Lambs, there, Ian." 
It's been 30 years. 35th. Wow. <laughs> 1991. It's been 30 years. Wow. Not 35. It's not 1986. Um, so I wanted to be smug. I was still wrong. See, here we, here we go. That's for Ethan. <laughs> that, might be, that might be the quickest turnaround we've had on one of those. But Carlos said, seriously, though, I'm enjoying, I'm loving the discussion so far. One of the things I'm loving is your back and forth regarding the dynamic between Clarice and Crawford. I think their dynamic's one of the subtlest yet most interesting things in the film, and that's mostly on Glenn and Foster. And then Dan Michels said, yeah, I never really thought about it much. That comment Lecter made about Crawford, but I buy it. Mm-hmm. And then Carlo also said, <laughs> uh, LOL, yeah. whoever whoever it was that did that montage of you guys singing must have his hands full again. Yeah, that's me, Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm ahead of the game this year. Every time I come across it when I edit one now, I take it apart and put it aside. He does. So he I've also been, started singing at the start of episodes I've so been, that he can put it aside no. during the singing montage. <laughs> I, the, 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 the whole Moana thing, there wasn't, I just saw Fargo and I just keep popping my head how far I'll go but yeah I mean I'm not gonna stop singing no ah it's good fun it is it's good fun as long as someone is randomly bursting in the song we have like without purpose or causation yeah of course you wouldn't (laughs) it's gotta be organic best film ever the musical (laughs) the musical um Apparently, last week, I read Griff's review and gave uh, credit to someone else. I'm sorry about that, yeah, Griff. Yeah, we're sorry. Uh, as I said, I'd like to say, it's, it's on me, I think, I'd love to say that it was a ploy from Ellie to make up for the Moulin Rouge abuse. Actually, on second thought, I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> Turns out it was Eleanor all along. <laughs> crossover there from our uh, I know, Wanda I know. revision. Yeah, see what I'm well doing done, there? Yeah. Lots of talk about Buffalo Bill, mainly from Carlo. And, and the argument being... Does it go too far? And Carlo's argument is that um, he's messing with her and just showing, just like he messes with all the. He's and I'm like, I get that, but it was too it was too long for me, so I turned on it. And some people kind of joined me with pitchforks, yeah, and kind of shouted back. Not shouted. We're 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 actually we have quite a respectful fandom. I'm, I'm quite I'm quite appreciative of oh, that. Thank you guys. Yeah, they're all. You say that we have a fandom now. That's cool. We do. We do. I think so. I think so. It's fledgling, but we have fledgling fandom. Fledgling fandom. BFE or die, right? That's really cute. Right, yeah, I think absolutely. so. A fledgling fandom. <laughs> um, we got some 100 things we learned from films. Said they love Carlo's theme. That would be Carlo, low, 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 low. They say, sadly, lads and lass, you need to get up on your Scottish terms. And this one is on me, so. There's a mistake, Theo. <laughs> Because <laughs> it says, uh, I said it was it was Ken, and Ken is to know or have knowledge about something or be acquainted yeah. with a person or thing. I edited it out because I d- I didn't realize. Yeah. No, I, I I pick up on it. So uh, we're gonna have to head up to Scotland one day and review T two or something, and we'll get a Scottish expert on the show when we do that. Uh, turns out I can't Ken about Ken. <laughs> Um, but they, can. they hope they can hear a review that they all uh, that we all agree on. And I was like, well, don't listen to train spotting because <laughs> <laughs> that's not the right one. Uh, Alex from Mainstream Finance said, love the episodes on Knives Out. Highly recommended. If you're looking for a great movie podcast, four of a knife thrown. I think one in every ten knives is real, and the chair is a metaphor for people with motive to kill. But motive doesn't make you a killer. Nope. I still think it's the most. Oh, my response is, I still think it's the most insensitive place to interview people about their father's throat slitting suicide yeah <laughs> can you imagine that it's like oh we had someone who we loved and he took his life with prescription pills what should we do let's investigate them in a pharmacy let's do that let's go ahead surround them with pill ball like no you wouldn't do that but all of a sudden we're just like oh it's a pretty chair like, it's the- <laughs> like people would be crying oh 
And then time for some shout outs. It goes down in the PM who always gives us love. Oh. Always gives us love. And says that interview with After 82 was absolute magic. Um, she says that she's been openly bi her whole life and had a few incidents of girls making dates with her just to jump her. But the violence and discrimination was never to the extent that, that we talked about mm-hmm. in the uh, documentary and the interview. You had my undivided attention the entire episode. Literally didn't move from my seat. And thank you for sharing part of your story there. That, 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 that's, yeah. I did check. I did check and go, are you cool if we share this? Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, friend of the podcast, Debbie says, uh, absolutely so glad that she's seen uh, After 82 and thanks us for bringing it to her attention. Uh, says, cannot emphasize how important the documentary is. Says to everybody, it's free on Amazon Prime. It is. You really should watch it. You should. And then follow up with the amazing podcast by Best Film Ever. Thank you, Debbie. Damn straight. Absolutely. Damn straight. Uh, Frankie S. says, this podcast is great. Much wit. And everyone has a great chemistry. I'm following now. That's a good thing to do. Hey. That's a good thing to do. My so-called pop culture life podcast says, the real question is, do you people think Hannibal or Red Dragon was the better sequel? Like, if you had to choose, which one are you watching next? I haven't seen either. I'm not watching either. I have not seen either. Anybody see Ethan? Either. Yeah, I kind of, Hannibal was weird. Red Dragon's goofy. <laughs> So if you had to choose, the question is if you had to. So you're the one who can answer this. Red Dragon, because it's okay. so much goofier for me. Um, a gentleman called Milo Garcia um, sent me a screenshot of a bottle of Chianti. I hope I'm not being threatened. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say to that. Uh, some people who always give us love. It's a musical podcast, film floggers. You got to see this. The Family Plot Podcast, Paul and Griff Podcast, our friend Lestat with a How Not to Summon hey, a Podcast, the Effing Nerds Podcast. Very good. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as a, as, as a fan of anime, absolutely adored what they were saying so far. There you go. Cool. There, there you go, Lestat. Clip that audio. You've got yourself a little little promo there. You do indeed. Uh, Debbie says, on her day off, spent some time watching great film and Knives Out, then spent some time with my mates, listening to them talk about it. When you said spend time with my mates, I'm like, Debbie, you're openly flaunting. You're breaking lockdown. <laughs> and then I went, oh, no, wait, there we are. <laughs> she means listening to us. Uh, great review and a great film. Uh, Russell, our resident postie. Hey. Hey, Russell. How you doing, bud? Mr. Postman. Hey, 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 Mr. Postman. Hey, hey. That's what I'm looking uh, that's for. That's what, yeah, because the other one you just I was doing, hey, Mr. Spaceman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just brings back flashbacks for it me. Does, I, like, it does. I don't want to remember. Uh, he says he wasn't counting Scream as a horror film because we did that as a bonus episode for Halloween and wouldn't normally do it. You've done at least four romantic comedies through the life of the pod because you wanted to and not just on Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, and I sort of explained it when, you know, hey, hey, you know, we're just not horror peeps, but there are some on the poster and we have to get to them. So, do, yeah, yeah. I mean, if something warrants, if it's a great film, we'll, we'll, we'll see it. But we're not going to choose a, a horror film for the sake of choosing a horror film. We, we choose films, even if they're romantic comedies, because they're great films. It's really funny because my dad and my sister are very big on horror movies. Really? Not me. <laughs> no, thank you. No. <laughs> no. I just appreciate. See, I can now. I'm not afraid of my of going upstairs into my attic or downstairs into the basement. I'm not afraid of these things. Whereas if I watched horror movies, I'd be like, no, I'm never going down there again. Do you know, this is God's honest truth. Last Halloween, I watched Halloween two. And um, after watching it, I could not sleep. I had to go and check every single window, every right? single door. I turned all the lights on in the house. <laughs> I checked everything. But he does I say back in. Oh, go ahead. I was. I remember back in October when we had a we had a like a message from like a horror sponsor thing, and we were like, we can't because 
most of these guys don't that is true horror, so. we had someone reach out who was yeah. a big horror thing and i'm like man do they have the wrong podcast for this <laughs> absolutely we're quite unanimous yeah in 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 our aversion to horror absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. and um but he did go on to say um by the way the jingle that's the uh hey 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 mr postman uh, has totally made my day by the way so that's great uh a gentleman by the name of matt sixty seven sixty seven uh has pitched that we do casablanca and of course we'll get to casablanca at some point in all the podcasts in all the world you have to come into us <laughs> is frank that, is, is that casablanca frankly matt 6767 i don't give a damn no what is that is that that's the uh he's looking at you kid, casablanca. oh is that scarlet o'hara is that yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 1930s um yeah i can see it why can't i remember what it's called gone, gone, with, with, the the wind. Wind, yeah. gone with the wind gone with the wind but casablanca is here's looking at Am you I kid on mute? Yeah. no yeah. you're right. not on mute you're not on mute yes 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 <laughs> it might just be lag oh there it is you just said it okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> um gone with the wind yes and then finally, uh, we got a nice flow review on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to read it out. Ooh. It's from, well, I'll say who it's from at the end. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is exactly what it says in the tin. It's absolutely my favorite and always the first I listen to. Ian is the charismatic, eminable host who oh. drives the show forward. He always goes the extra mile and his deep dives are renowned. Ooh. And then he didn't mention you guys. <laughs> 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 he goes on to say, don't stop it there. That's great. <laughs> he goes on to say liam is an old romantic and always hilarious oh. he frequently misses cues into great comic effect and never hesitates to get a michelle pfeiffer reference in michelle pfeiffer <laughs> he also does a brilliant owen wilson impression he also does oh, just, wow <laughs> wow three two one Wow. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, Ellie is quite feisty, and with the help of Georgia, keeps the boys in line. She quite often has differing views, which keeps it interesting, and leads to many a debate or an occasional rant. The thing is, I think that it's it's Ellie's comments. That I think the rant is, 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 is me. <laughs> but no, absolutely. They do keep us in line. And then says Georgia... keep you in line without Georgia here today. And then says Georgia is my favorite. We have a similar yeah. sense of humor, and she's always there with a funny quip or interesting comment. Her actor fame blindness... Sorry, her actor face blindness this is legendary the team dynamic is wonderful they are clearly all very close and always work hard to make the podcast the best it can be usually there's someone who hasn't seen the film they're discussing so this adds never to mention as there's a first watch perspective what are you can waiting I, for subscribe can now. i just guess who that is sure going by that last comment i'm thinking it's Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. <laughs> is it yes <laughs> i was gonna name someone else and i want no i don't want to be unfair to that person <laughs> You know, I'll, just, I'll say it was Paul and Griff, because I forgot to give them credit, so I'll give them credit for someone else this week. Oh, nice. uh, people still asking about t-shirts. We're totally on board with that. We, we got a, we got are, a few yeah. ideas. Watch this space. It's yeah, it's definitely absolutely. definitely happening. Yeah. Uh, also, watch-alongs. Uh, we're going to go ahead. I've got it figured out, the format for it. Now it's yes. just about the film, but i got the format figured out. Mm-hmm. So watch this space. I know exactly when it's dropping, too. So we will do one before too long for people who are up for it. Now let's talk about Fargo. Who has seen Fargo before? Nope, I had not. Oh, just nope. me. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'd seen I'd seen the TV show, but not the film. Okay. So, oh, well, that's interesting. I haven't seen the TV show. Um. So, um, it's the 25th anniversary this time, Carlo. I'm sure it's 25th anniversary. Um. So I looked to my mic, and Liam was like looking around him, like Carlo had snuck behind him somehow. Because <laughs> I kind of looked at the mic, and he was like, "What you doing?" <laughs> 
um, and so I wanted to choose because it's a really, really dark comedy, um, very highly regarded. Um, and 25 years later, it's an interesting to see how is this one aged or not aged, as the case might be. And that's kind of why I thought it was a good shout. Mm-hmm. So, context corner. Uh, I have to do one of these first for the first time in a little bit. Usually, I mean, I'm just trying to spread it out a bit. If people pick the film, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's the Disney one. I do all of them here. <laughs> Yes, uh, directed do. by Joel and Ethan Cohen. It says only Joel Cohen, and there's a reason for that. There was a rule in the like Directors Actors Guild or something like that mm-hmm. that you couldn't share directorial credit. Oh, okay. So the first bunch of films they do, Joel Cohen gets director's credit. Ethan Cohen got producer's credit. Yeah. Since then, since the rule changed, all films have been listed with both guys as the director. Oh, okay. So that... Because that, I have some concerns when it comes to award season. It was a little bit inconsistent. I was like, wait, I don't understand this. So I did some research, found that out. Cool. So they've also done films such as Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? No I Country know. for Old Men and hey. Burn After Reading. So they also just did like the Lady Killers. So, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're not all winners, no. but they've, they've done all right. Cinematography in this by Roger Deakins. Oh, that is really? He who did Beautiful Mind, Skyfall, 1917. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of other stuff with the yeah, Coens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the new, the new Blade Runner film. The new one. Yep. Yeah. And the music was by Carter Burwell, who... Here, how's this for three different movies? Ready? Okay. Well, four, if you include Fargo. A Knight's Tale. Yeah. Three billboards outside Ebbing, <gasps> Missouri. Oh, my God, the film. Twilight. <laughs> 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 you say that. Twilight the, right. the, the music's okay in Twilight, actually. I got no issue funny. with it. Um, so, uh, Fargo, 1996 black comedy crime film, written, produced, and directed by the Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan. It was filmed during the winter of 1995, mainly in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and around Pembina County, North Dakota. Due to unusually low snowfalls in central and southern Minnesota that winter, scenes requiring snow-covered landscapes had to be shot in northern Minnesota and northeastern North Dakota. Nowhere near the actual towns of Fargo or Brainerd, <laughs> no, <laughs> respectively. I guess like sometimes, it? That's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all right. Um, so um, we begin, and we're told this film is based on a true story, and opens with the following text. This is a true story. (laughs) The events depicted in this film took place in Minnesota in 1987. At the request of the survivors, the names have been changed. Out of respect for the dead, the rest has been told exactly as it occurred. And then Liam turned to me and went, so is this actually based on a true story? (laughs) At which point I made fun of him. He did. As a setup, because the answer is no, it's not a true story. Exactly. <laughs> it's not a true story at all. Because that's what I was thinking to myself. So, uh, if you go through the, the closing credits, it does bear the standard thing about fictitious persons disclaimer by the work of fiction. Yeah. I have the co- about the credits later as well. The Coen brothers have played a little fast and loose with sort of the um, mythology of this. They've claimed they've based it on an actual criminal event, but wrote a fictional story around it. Um, Joel Cohen said we weren't interested in that kind of fidelity the basic elements are the same but the characterizations are fully imagined um, kind of the theory being if an audience makes you permission to believe that something's based on a real event, it kind of gives you permission to do things they might not otherwise accept. So mm-hmm. they a little less likely to suspend your disbelief and go, wow, this is nuts. Yeah. Just because you're told that. So it's one of those things. Don't believe everything in a movie. Just because it says that doesn't mean it's true. And I didn't. <laughs> They've modified it more than once. In 96, Joel Cohen told a reporter that the actual murders were not committed in Minnesota. 
Um, furthermore, in 2015, Joel Cohen changed it again to say it was completely made up, or as we like to say, the only thing true about it is that it's a story. <laughs> uh, and three weeks into shooting, they finally smartened up the cast. Because the cast uh, thought it was real for the first three uh, weeks as well. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Here's a true story I completely made up. Exactly. And there's a long history of authors placing factual disclaimers at the beginning of fictional works. And the earliest goes all the way back to the castle of Aranto by Horace Walpole in 1764. Mm. And as I like to say in all things, if it's good enough for Horace Walpole, <laughs> it's good enough for what I'm watching tonight. Absolutely. I have just rubbed hot chili pepper juice in my eye. Oh, no. Oh, There's a timer. It's not. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's just, it's just remnants. So it's not that bad. <laughs> so let's start off with talking about uh, the weather. So, uh, I mean, because we open up and it is white. It, it is, is whiter so than white. white. And my eye is watering like <laughs> crazy. But I'm gonna power it. It is a crazy thing. It's a good thing I don't have to read large portions of text to do what we do here. So uh, and lucky they're only listening to us, not watching. Exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm like winking, like one long wink. (laughs) How you doing? That's right. The Cohen's pirate thing, and you're like, I'm gonna tell you about Fargo. It was white out there. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the chicken in, in, in Moana. As Moana's going, how far I go. Um, the Coens have described Minnesota as Siberia with family restaurants. They're not far wrong. Um, there's only one scene that was shot on a bright and sunny day, and cinematographer Roger Deakins hated that it was sunny, feeling it went against the movie's mood. Absolutely. That had to be the day, it had to be the scene at the end, when the, the wood chipper scene. Yeah. That was a bright day, wasn't it? That was a bright day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cold weather, I guess the implication is cold, cold characters, cold, unfeeling people. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, and then I think we have to talk about the score. Because uh, as with most of the Coen Brothers films, the exception of things like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? or Inside Llewellyn Davis, the score to Fargo is by Carter Burrow. And the musical motif is based on a Norwegian folk song, The Lost Sheep. I really like this. Now that I might really seem well. that might seem yeah. a little bit out of left field, but you, that part of the United States is pre- predominantly settled originally by Scandinavian settlers. Oh, okay, used to the snow. They came through. They yeah, the climate's not not, not a problem, and they came out the, the the lake system, and then kind of where Lake Michigan, kind of as far as you can go in the lake system, kind of ends up, sort of spits you out in the American mid Midwest. Oh, okay, so that's where you get that sort of settlement from. Mm-hmm. Um. And so um, the car that's pulling the other car appears, and it's like both majestic and evil from the score. It was, wasn't it? The score was really good throughout. It was very good. Yeah, I really liked it. I like the score. And then we meet Jerry. Jerry played by William H. Macy yeah. in the role that made him into a household name. Oh, you mean Wild Hogs didn't? <laughs> Wild Hogs was after. I mean, if Wild Hogs had come first, then Wild Hogs would have made him out. That was a terrible movie. Uh, It's got Travolta in it. Uh, What are you saying? I'm saying he's terrible. (laughs) No, I'm saying he's in terrible movies. I found there was a movie that I think is kind of terrible, but qualifies. I'm well excited to do it. I'll leave it there as a teaser. I'll leave it there as a teaser. Get sure. Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah, it probably does too. Yeah. 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 I think it's boring. Anyway, moving on. Um, Some rumors originally this role was not supposed to be William H. Macy, but Bill Pullman. I like Bill Pullman. I can see Bill Pullman doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see him doing this. I don't think he could be as pathetic, though. Macy's got this. Yeah, you're not wrong, Ethan. He's got this really kind of. uh, Oh, should we address the fact that George is not here again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she quit. 
Ah, uh, what? what? <laughs> I'm totally, Dwayne, Dwayne, stop crying. Yeah, she's not, she's not, she's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We're just, having a, we're just having a joke. <laughs> no, no, uh, she's just, um, it's, it's, it's just another film where she kind of went, she, she read the sort of synopsis and kind of went, oh, I don't, I said, it's funny. And I don't think, I think she's been traumatized by train spotting and yeah. it's, we'll come back when it's There's all bright and happy. A traumatic scene in this. Really? Okay. That would ship would probably really? would. We'll talk. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I see it, really. Um, so, I think it's quite funny. <laughs> it's how far you go. It is <laughs> how far you go. Georgia wouldn't find that funny. Maybe not. No, Actually, she did reference. She did a little bit of research and said, I don't think I can watch this. I'm like, it's, it's, I know it's really hard for me to explain this. It's funny. It's a dark humor. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, she'll be back next week. Yeah, I can promise that. So this will be, we're not doing a horror film next week, Mister Postman. No, I'm sorry, Georgia, Georgia will be back. Um, and so I know what we're doing next week as well. Yes, <laughs> the Coens initially considered William H Macy for a much smaller role, the state trooper who dies. Oh, really? But they were so impressed by his reading, they asked him to come back and read for the role of Jerry. According to William H. Macy, he was very persistent, saying, I found that they were auditioning in New York, so I got my jolly, jolly Lutheran ass on an airplane and walked in and said, I want to read again, because I'm scared you're going to screw this up and hire someone else. I actually said that. You know, you can't play that card too often as an actor. Sometimes it blows up in your face. But I said, guys, this is my role. I want this. Ethan Cohen later remarked, I don't think either of us realized what a tough acting challenge we were handing Bill Macy with this part. Jerry's a fascinating mix of completely ingenuous and utterly deceitful. Yet he's also guileless. Even though he sets these horrible events in motion, he's surprised when they all go wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think William H. Macy does a really good job because at first yeah. you might go, yeah, is he? But no, it's just because he's so pathetic and unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. But yet you somehow get some level of sympathy for him, I you think. You do, you do. Yeah. And that's a clever oh, no. as an actor. Oh, you don't think so? Okay, no, I think no. I think it did. I don't know. There were moments where you did. Uh, so, his character, Jerry Lundegaard, was named after film critic Bob Lundegaard. When Bob saw the film at a screening with the Coen brothers present, Bob jokingly went up to them and said, you'll be seeing my lawyers in the morning. <laughs> Cute. That was good. Um, he goes into the bar and he's a, he approaches these two hitmen. Yeah. Uh, it's an hour late. He's like, oh, guys, geez. And this clearly gets he's out of his element. He's like, oh, it's just a genuine screw up, guys. Gosh, gee whiz. Oh, no. I didn't mean to be late. What, what I really liked about this bit was that we went from that beautiful scoring that's kind of really atmospheric into this really jolly bar music. So oh, did we? A complete shift, yeah. <laughs> and we find that he's going to create a kidnapping. And we meet our two hitmen, if you will. We meet, I think it's Gare? Yeah. G-A-E-A-R? Gare? Gare Grimsrud, played by Peter Stro- Stomer, who uh, Russian guy we in. recognize as the Russian from Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to go home. <laughs> this was written with him in mind. Really? Yep. He's brilliant in this. Uh, he was supposed to play the part of Eddie Dane in a previous film called Miller's Crossing, which I have not seen. Oh, okay. I it's by the Coens. It. Yeah. But was unable to commit because he was doing a stage production of Hamlet. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Owen Wilson. Did any- uh, <laughs> wow. Did anybody else think that he was a little bit looked like he was... He, he looked... You said it a few times. Go ahead. Bruce Willis from The Fifth Element. Yeah, he's got kind of like when, when Willis was bleaching his hair. I swear Because if you bleach your hair, it like makes you look like you have more hair. It really does. I don't know how it does, but it does. I reckon Bruce Willis watched this and went... I like that look. I'm going for that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to think which one would come out first. This came out in 96. I think Fifth Element's 98, Late 98 99. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 98. Yeah. So when he was not filming, he would visit neighboring places with Swedish-sounding names. 
because he's Swedish. Oh. Uh, Stormare noticed that his character was different from his real life personality. Well, I would hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. And then we meet. I mean, the one who I think steals this. You know, it's 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 the old adage: the the, the big, tall, quiet one, and then the little motor mouth. Who, it's thrown in Pumba, but in like the most evil forms. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But this guy gets in every single movie in the nineties. He's great, Steve uh, Buscemi. Steve Buscemi as Carl. Uh, the role of this was also written specifically for Steve Buscemi. Yeah, cool. Does not surprise me. And they want to know why he needs to kidnap this woman he's like well if the father's rich why don't you just ask him for the money and we never actually find out what he's like he's obviously defrauded mm-hmm. he's trying to cover up but what's the money gone towards we never find this out no we don't we know he's playing fast and loose with a loan with some financing and has used cars of the lot as collateral but not you know we, we find this out of it but what does he need the money for? like what was that money for we never really get and i'm okay with that yeah I'm okay with that. He's we 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 catch up in what's called in media res. We start in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. Here's the middle of things. I need I need I need some some kidnappers. Um, then we go to Minneapolis, and Jerry comes home to his wife, and we meet the father-in-law Wade. Wade's watching college hockey. God, I can't stand him. What Wade? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, maybe some talk about the other score, the other musicality in this film. Go for it. The accent. Oh my the god, Minnes- that did my nuts. The Minnesota Minnesota <laughs> accent. Oh gosh, GA. That was awesome. I, I, I love the Minnesota accent. Really? People oh close to yours. I spent a year in Phoenix, Arizona, and they're like, Oh, don't be a hoser, eh? And I'm like, you know that's not actually the Canadian accent. It's more of this more like central northern accent. So if you're from Manitoba, which is a part of Canada, mm-hmm. you'll have this accent. But you also if you from if you're from Minnesota and there was a girl who was down there who was from Minnesota and sounded just like this, and they never called her up on it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that, 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 that accent you think we have, eh? That's that's that girl there from Minnesota. <laughs> She's got that. And actually, if you think about it, it's that Scandinavian yeah. kind of sing-songy thing mixing the English language, and they're actually quite quote quite similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I find love, it endearing. I, find I would it love annoying. if somewhere out there, someone's counted the amount of times that they say oh yeah and, oh yeah oh geez geez now geez yeah. i say geez a you lot jesus yeah, very much jesus very much in the canadian it, i was thinking this is an ian word yeah this is an ian <laughs> word <laughs> uh, and so uh, the film's illustration of minnesota nice and distinctive regional accents and expressions made a lasting impression on audiences years later locals reported continuing to field tourist requests to say yeah you betcha and other <laughs> taglines from the movie <laughs> dialect coach scottish, scottish. Dialect coach Liz Himmelstein maintained the accent was another character. She coached the cast using audio tapes and field trips. I'm up for that. Let's go to a field Let's trip to turn up the accents. Yeah. Another dialect coach, Larissa Cockernot. Cockernot? Let's say Cockernot. It's more funny. Uh, noted that in the small town, Minnesota accent is close to the sound of the Nords and the Swedes, which is where the musicality comes from. Yep. She taught McDormand that Minnesota nice and the characters heading nodding to show agreement. The strong accent spoken by Macy and McDormand's characters, which was exaggerated for effect, is less common in the Twin Cities, of course, mm-hmm. where over 60% of the state's population lives. Wow. That is wow. Three-fifths of the population live in that Twin City. That's incredible. That's insane. Mm. there's less people outside the city than there are in it i'd move out to the country and have some land yeah jeez um and the character uh, sorry uh the minneapolis and st paul dialect is characterized by the northern city's vowel shift da-da, da-da, da-da. so um and we also then we 
meet uh, Jean Lundegaard, played by Kristen Rudrud, <laughs> who sounds like she belongs in this region. If there's a reason for that, it's because she was born in Fargo, North Dakota. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah, pretty good. And we meet Wade. I don't have the characters, uh, the actor's name for that. Wade wants to know why Jerry hasn't passed this by Stan Grossman. I bring up Stan Grossman because Stan Grossman is a character's name in Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, okay. I think that has to be, has to be. In the same universe? And I'm odd. Not the same. No, Brian Cranston plays him in the other one. He's a literary agent. But it has to show that there's some sort of a, it has to be a nod to this. Oh, okay. So when, uh, oh, who wrote Little Miss Sunshine? Michael Arndt. So when Michael Arndt is writing Little Miss Sunshine, this has to be a nod of the cap to the Coen brothers. Who wrote this as well? You will, yeah. yeah so um and the way they, they take top billing is they just alternate so on one it'll be ethan cohen and joel cohen and the other one will be joel cohen and ethan cohen yet directing it's always joel and ethan cohen yeah weird so um and he says well i just want to make sure gee that you know that uh the the, the gene and and and, and, the, and my boy are always are always okay and he said gene and the boy don't have to worry about anything and no, doesn't yeah. mention him. Not him, yeah. No. But I, I mean... You're right on your head, dude. We find out, like, he's obviously been taking care of him all these years. Yeah. He, like, owns the car lot that, that Jerry works at. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, and Jerry's trying to get some sort of deal off the ground. And he's like, oh, I got this. No, no, I don't want to send it to Stan Grossman. Send it to him. I don't want to look at it. You know, what, what do you want to do? You know, just, just worry about this. And it's clear he's desperate for money, but we don't know why. And I like no. not knowing why, because yeah, yeah. it, it gave me a sense of interest to go, well, why do you need the money? Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry is screwing people over. Um, there's this couple who are trying to buy a car, and he promised them it would be 19500 and then he's changing the price when they come in due to some undercoating. Uh, this scene where a couple tries to make a deal with Jerry is based on Ethan Cohen's real-life encounter with a car salesman. Wow. He said it's, al- wow. he said it's almost a, ver- a verbatim transcript of my experience. <laughs> <laughs> and the bit where he goes, I'm going to go talk to my manager, and he goes in. And A, we find out later that Jerry's the boss. Yeah, Jerry's the boss, but the whole the whole charade of going in and being like, "So you going to the hockey game this weekend? <laughs> you got an extra ticket?" And goes, "Oh, I just talked to him. He never does this, but he says you can have a hundred bucks." <laughs> and then the guy's still like, "Give me my give me my checkbook." <laughs> uh, Gustafson's auto dealership uh, is now no longer an auto dealership. It's now occupied by Best Buy's national corporate headquarters. Oh, oh. yeah. So if you're gonna go see, you know, movie. Movie sets don't go all the way out to Minneapolis looking for that. Doesn't no. exist. Nope. And the hitmen who we meet, Bashemi and of course the other guy, the guy from Armageddon. Yeah. Discount Bruce Willis. Discount Bruce Willis. Yeah. Which is funny because oh, they're both in Armageddon. They are. Wow. <laughs> That's why I think Bruce Willis looked at that one. Yeah. Oh, I like that look. They're both and Bruce Willis is in Armageddon. He is. Wow. <laughs> wow. My mind is blown. That was that was Owen Wilson one. Wow. That was an Owen Wilson one. Wow. Um, they stopped for pancakes and I'll say dessert. Yeah. We have two yeah. prostitutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they're, and we get like this, like, I don't know, graphics the right word, but we get the sex scene. It's, just, it's really weird. It's the two of them having sex with prostitutes and matching twin beds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a strange experience, I would imagine. I don't know. Oh, no. I love, I love the hard cut to all of them just watching the, the, the Tonight, Tonight show. show in bed like nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You know what? That never even crossed my mind about how weird that was. I think I just got used to the fact that this film is weird already. What, the, 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 the two of them are in twin beds having sex at the same time? I think, such, I think, I think in mirrored positions. Think, that's weird. Yeah. 
I think in both cases, the man was 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 laying down, and the and, yeah. and the girl yeah. was doing all the work. They were. <laughs> well, I guess they're professionals. You're paying, I suppose. Absolutely. I don't know. It's nothing I've done. So, wow. <laughs> but um, it's it's nice to know that when it was over, they didn't just leave. They sat around and watched the Tonight Show with the boys. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> you're all like, oh, it's, what, what's their story? <laughs> um, and then we get a phone to Minneapolis, and that sign Grossman has signed off on the deal, Jerry finds. So his deal's okay. The problem is, now that he thinks Wade's going to give him the money, I don't need my wife kidnapped. How do I stop the kidnapping? So mm. uh, he goes and sees, I don't think I wrote this down. He goes and sees, oh, what Shep. was it? Shep. Shep, yeah. Goes and sees Shep, a mechanic, who obviously put him in contact with. I think it's Carl he put him in contact with. Yeah. yeah You'd think is, so, um, yeah. 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 I thought this originally, but then there's something that said at the end that made me think it was the other way around. I think if you were going to vouch for one of these two, I'd be, I'd be, as weird as it sounds, I'd be vouching for Carl. Carl says something at the end, like when you see Shep, tell him. Oh, really? Okay. Maybe. You're, yeah. That makes sense. I guess. Mm, yeah. Um, and so he goes, I can't call them back. So he's like, oh, shoot. And the hitmen have hit the Twin Cities. And we established these two are not friends. <laughs> and they start having a go because Greer won't say anything. I like that he didn't say anything. And Buscemi doesn't shut up. No, he <laughs> um, Back to the auto dealership. And we find out that this is where we find out what the money needs to be for. There's been a loan of $320,000, which William H. Macy has forgotten about. Jerry's like, how much was it? Three twenty. Like, what did you spend? Like, I need. I, I would have liked to have known. I guess what he spent the money on. Yeah, I always thought it For was like money. gambling or something. Gambling, some some kind of mob thing. Yeah, I don't know. Because we didn't see anybody like rough him. It's a hard. I don't. What no. was it? I, I thought he was gonna. Yeah. I just thought he'd got into loads of debt. But how did he get into debt? By dodgy car dealerships. What he's not buying the cars of his own money. He doesn't own the place. No, I guess. I so yeah, I just it was just kind of this nebulous thing. Um, and so we know he's defrauding someone somewhere, and he's doing the whole. Oh well, maybe I'll fax him. No, don't fax him. You did that before. We can't see it. Just read them out to me. Oh, I don't have them right now, but I'll send them to you. Okay, but please make yes. Yeah, so I'll fax. Don't fax them. <laughs> it's like that old song and dance. If it's in the mail, yeah, um, in the post. And then we have the home invasion, and Gene is watching. Um, some sort of good morning show and she's knitting and those two people are actually the host of like the Minnesota local area morning show <laughs> oh, and they've done it for like 20 years or something like that that's cool yeah Um, and so Gene is knitting and doesn't seem to be that worried and we see like it turns out it's Bashemi who's like got the, the crowbar and he's yeah, outside yeah. and he's looking in and at first you're going what are you an idiot but of course if you're outside and especially if it's snowy yeah so all the light is hitting you on that side so unlike the evening where when your windows are open if it's people can look right in and put everything you're doing yeah when it's the daytime the opposite is Absolutely, true especially yeah. when it's bright and snowy yeah. so you can see outside really clearly but they can't see you at all no, so when he's like trying to like get his hands around his eyes but she's really, really calm but he's got a crowbar in his yeah. hand and then eventually he like smashes it open and she runs and then and she reacts. Like, yeah, yeah. And then and then, reacted and then like then. yeah, I'd, I'd have been gone. Yeah. And then Gera comes through the front door, and she goes runs up to the bathroom, takes the phone with her. She's got nine one one and is waiting for a response. They pull the phone cord out of it. I like that phone. That was a good shot though of the that was a, yeah, yeah coming from under the door. coming from under the door. We just see mm. this sort of phone like like launch towards the door. Yeah. She very cleverly opens the window. 
yeah. and then hides behind the shower. And in the process of trying to capture her earlier, Greer's finger has been like bitten. Yeah. So he's looking for some like antiseptic or something like that to clean it out. And if Jean just stays in the shower, yeah, she's home clear. Yeah, yeah, she's fine. But she launches at him, kind of knocks him over, and then runs down the stairs with this the shower curtain on her. So she falls down the stairs and kind of like knocks herself on. I thought she was dead. I thought she, I thought she was I dead. She was yeah. And credit so, to the stunt man or woman that did that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've written down it first and falls down dead, but obviously didn't. No. So back to the deal. And this is not the deal about the kidnapping, but back to the deal that Jerry's been pitching about, I don't know, some parking lot. I don't know what it was exactly. But uh, they said, what do you want for your finder's fee? And he's like, oh, fine. basically, he, he thought you can help me out with the money for it. And yeah. They're like, no, 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 you bring this to our attention. And then when he's like, so if you don't want the finder's fee, then are we... I'm assuming you're okay if we go ahead and move forward on this without you. Cool. And he's like, well, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I mean, I don't like Wade. I think it's important. Oh, I don't like Wade. I either. think for where the movie's going to take me, I can't like Wade. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I have to be okay with the fact that he's, that he dies. And so in order yeah. to be okay with the fact that he dies and find it funny, I have to actually dislike the guy. Absolutely. So, um, and then he goes outside and, Jerry goes to scrape his car off, and it can be frustrating to scrape your car off because he has a he's, like, he's a few tantrums in this film. I like this scene because that looked like that actually happened. But know, the, like, like he actually did drop the scraper. Oh, he might have. I don't you know. know. I think he was supposed to get angry and try and do the thing, but Maybe. just and that made him more furious. And just r- run with that. Yeah, if you yeah, drop absolutely. it, then just run with that moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back home, there's the signs of a burglary. And we hear him on the phone to someone, or we think he's on the phone with someone. <laughs> and the camera pans, because so we're looking at like the debris in the bathroom and the debris in the living room. And the camera pans around and he's practicing before he makes the phone call. Mm. William H. Macy's idea. <laughs> that was a good nice. idea. He said, let's, let's have me practice it first. And it's like, like four, he's actually like four different goes. He does, and then he still doesn't the one. But he's like, oh no, she's, she's gone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And he phones, he goes, could I have Wade Keller, please? That <laughs> 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 was one of my favorite jokes the entire Brilliant, film. brilliant. Uh, we go back in the car, and Gene is making noises, and the hitmen are being pulled over. Uh, we find it's the, it's the tags, and what it means is when you buy a new car from a dealer, you need to go ahead and put um, temporary tags on it that yeah. lets you drive it for 24 hours or until you have enough time to go to a, a what do they call it in the, uh, in the States, the DMV. Yeah, and get your Over here, official. It'd be, it'd be number plates. Like, yeah, but like the DVLA, but yeah. for the US. But yeah. the difference is in Canada and the United States, your plates don't stay on the car forever. The state, the, the oh, plates no. are attached to you. Oh, are they? Yeah. So as opposed oh. to here, when I buy a car, the plate's already on it, and if I sell the car, the plate goes with the car. Yeah. Here, I take the plates off. Oh. So oh. you can put a dealer plate on it, and that the dealer plate lets you go out ahead and drive. Yeah, the yeah. car around oh, okay so you can do a test drive without getting pulled over but the minute it's sold you have to put like a temporary thing in the window and that gives you like 24 48 hours whatever it might be to to go ahead and get wow. it properly paperwork didn't know that yeah so um and my question is why doesn't Jean yell at this point what she got to lose well it turns out pretty quickly what she's got to lose yeah but still yep she was kind of think- like grunting yeah a little well, at the end because yeah. Carl tries to, he's like, I got this. And he tries to bribe the police officer <laughs> with this 50 that's sticking out of his wallet. And he's in Minnesota where, like, everybody's the nicest guy ever, eh? And why didn't he pull out the whole shebang of the driving license? Why didn't he see half of it? I think he wanted it in the wallet, so the 50's there. 
I think the whole idea of maybe we can just take care of this here, here in... This is- this is complete news to me because I was so confused by the fact that his driving license was half hidden that I didn't even notice the fifty. Until no, but it's the whole idea is he's trying to bribe him. Bribe him, yeah. He goes, sir. No he goes, sir. What is he this? And he, he says, sir. What is this? And he goes, it's my license and registration. And I was just really hoping we could take care of this here in Be- Bernard or whatever it was called. Now, why didn't they call the film Bernard as opposed to Fargo? Well, Fargo sounds Brain. a lot better than. Bernard or whatever it was called. Like Brainard. Brainard, yeah. Brain, See, this, this is the reason. Yeah. Fargo's a lot easier to remember. It is. <laughs> and there's no Moana joke I can make on Brainard, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Um, You've got Fargo when you think about it. Hey. <laughs> and so um, Gene makes a noise, and then Greer shoots the cop, and the blood splatters oh. a little bit on Buscemi's face. Yeah. Good shot. It was a good Both shot. Both literally and... <laughs> 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 um, and so... Um, Carl then gets out of the car and goes to drag the cops and you can see the lights as they approach and this poor young kid just like neck craning as he like goes by them so he sees every last bit of it he saw rubberneck didn't he he was he was a young chubby ginger kid just the one time (laughs) I'm like I feel sorry for guys like that they've got they're they're good people and so um there's a chase and man Greer's like going he like peels it and it's like a perfect like stunt turn that was cool i mean the icy roads will help but yeah he starts gunning it after them and then you see the tail lights disappear and i thought they'd done the thing you should do which is you just kill your lights in the dark and you just go all right maybe a couple seconds i can confuse him ideally what you want to do is you want to do that and then break off to the side and hopefully he shoots by you yeah yeah. um or you make a turn they did or you make it, it's what I thought they did too, but then you find out the car's flipped and in the embankment. And this, I say this much, this felt like driving back home. Oh, did it? The, the whole idea of like the way the roads looked, there'd be yeah, more yeah. snow build up, but the whole yeah. idea of, yeah, it's, it's long, white, everything's like unmarkable, it's just the same. Do you get used um, to that driving in the snow then? Do you get used to braking in snow? Yeah, oh, yeah there's, there's, there's the way you, the way you drive in the winter and the way you drive in the summer. You don't really have to think, think about it. You just kind of you revert back to, it. I got to brake a little softer. Yeah. I got to brake a whole hell of a lot sooner. Yeah. Uh, you don't slam on the brakes because you might lose the back end oh, of the car. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And just things along that nature. I remember driving behind someone and their back end started to go and then my back end started to go and they ended up doing like a full like 360 spin. So I saw their headlights coming at me Holy. and they ended up going into the ditch. I managed to, to, to correct it and then went, hey, do you guys want anything? Oh, no. I'm pretty sure they were drink driving. Because they were like, you want me to call the cops or something on your back? No, 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 we we, we got it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) go. It was funny. I I was on my phone writing my notes and like the Fargo poster was was like popped up for a second and the poster has like the car turned over. I was like, oh, that's an interesting poster. Looked up, the car's turned over. I'm like, "Ah, I see why. Yeah. And so, um, Greer, the one guy gets out, the heavy guy just leaves his girlfriend, wife, whatever she is in the car and just takes off. Why does he take so long to shoot him? Get your shot. Yeah. He did too easy. Like, he's like, oh, I got this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, enjoying it. Actually kind of interesting. Cause we're going to see that shot mirrored at the end. You do. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he goes ahead and sees this girl like helpless upside down. We're like, well, maybe he'll show some knob. No. He even like closes an eye and kind of goes, he does. Pow. <laughs> He's having fun with it. You're like, oh, this guy's... So I think easily... It might, might be the more likable one's Carl, right? Of course. Yeah. Well, you said you like the... the I the, do like okay. him. But, but, but Superman is just psychopathic. Yeah. yeah. I like this, the cool, calm collectedness of him. Okay. Yeah, I prefer him. But I mean, it's, I don't like either of them. No. Okay. Well, the next morning, we meet uh, Marge, played by Francis Mc, Mc, McDermott. That is a dodgy wig. Is it? That is a hell of All a right. dodgy wig. 
Uh, although her character is the film's central role, she does not appear on the screen until 33 minutes or one third of the film is over. Wow. It's a long time. Frances McDermott plays Marge Gunderson, and she is the wife of director Joel Cohen. I knew this. Nepotism occasionally gets it right. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. She's fantastic in this. Oh, she is. She is so good. This is not her best role, though. I, oh, we'll talk. We'll talk at the end. We'll talk at the end. Oh, yeah. We'll talk at the end. I might have jumped the gun last week when I was saying Jodie Foster might be my, my end of year pick for best female. The very next week, <laughs> the Bryson McDermott's like, hold my coffee, eh? Yeah. Because <laughs> she can't drink beer because she's pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. Can't drink too much coffee when you're pregnant either. Okay, hold my... Uh, Herbalistic tea. I don't know. She, she, she seemed to be having a fair amount of coffee she's in the diet film. Diet Coke or something at one point, doesn't she? Okay, maybe she was giving hot chocolate. I don't know. There's hot beverages mm-hmm. for her. At first, Frances McDermott was excited about working with the Coens, considering you're married course, to one of them yeah. and the other one's your brother-in-law, uh, but was rather surprised when she found out they wrote Marge for her. She felt what separated Marge from other female characters Characters written by the Coens is that the latter fell short. So the other women in their films seem to be um, to, to trip at the, at the last hurdle. They weren't fully completed characters, and then this one was. Yeah. Um, so she learned how to use and fire a gun, and spent days talking with a police officer that was pregnant, like Marge, and developed a backstory for her character along with John Carroll Lynch, the gentleman who played her husband. I like him. After seeing the movie. Um, McDermott noted that much of Marge was modeled after her sister Dorothy, who's a Disciples of Christ minister and chaplain. Wow. The backstory of it, she and the bald guy, who plays her husband, uh, came up with was um, that Norm and Marge met when they were both working on the police force, and when they were married, they had to choose which one had to quit. So Marge was a better officer, so Norm quit and took up painting. Aww. That's the Why backstory they came up quit? with. They came up with that theory. I don't know what the deal is. Or We used to have this years ago in the um, workplace. You couldn't have two family members or husband and wife working in the same same store. Surely that's discriminatory. I think it was just, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, but it was, it, was a, it was a thing. I mean, keep in mind, this is set in, 19, in 1982, 1983? Yeah, and this was only like 19... And so if this 19- is their backstory, they would have been... 60 late 60s early 70s they'd be getting married yeah yeah so i can see that yeah some sort of old theories of this yeah and she's a good police officer in this she is um she was looking for a role as a killer or a prostitute and was hesitant to play a pregnant cop (laughs) she (laughs) said she said when i started working on it i realized it was one of the best gifts i'd ever been given she wore a pregnancy belly filled with bird seed to simulate her pregnant (laughs) belly i've heard this before the bird seeds the the, the right stuff she said she didn't deliberately try to move in a pregnant way it just came as a natural response to help her keep the extra weight balanced didn't um didn't uh, meatloaf do the same thing in fight club birdseed yeah i think you're right birdseed, i think you're right yeah. yeah francis mcdermott accidentally left her pregnancy suit in her trailer one night and basilicone breasts in the fruit for in the suit froze and one of them exploded the next day on set oh, <laughs> i bet they made the breast of that oh jeez. <laughs> And we see the two of them lying in bed and eating. And he's like, you got to eat. He's really sweet the way he it takes is. care of her. But he's like, you got to yeah. eat. And I don't know if you notice, in every scene the two of them are together in, they're either sleeping or eating, sometimes both. Yeah. And I'm like. He's a feeder. Well, he's a feeder, <laughs> but also just like mad goals for future life. I'm just like, just eat. <laughs> eat what, what is just Not like eat, just like to like uh, just obsessive natures. But I'm just like, that's it. Yeah. It's about food. Even early hours in the morning, he says but eggs to me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sleep. You, you need eggs. You yeah, need eggs. You need eggs, yeah. 
And then we have the opposite of food. So um, she gets to the crime scene and she sits down. She's checking out the thing and she goes, "Yeah, right." She goes, and you think she's retching because she can't handle what she's seeing? <laughs> and she goes, "No, it's just morning sickness. I think I got a barf." And then she's like, "Oh, it's past." And now I'm hungry. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a comedic moment, isn't it? It's, it's like um, how a child would think. A child go, oh, I'm hurt. Oh, okay, I'm good now. I'm good, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, the scene where this happens, um, it's supposed to spoof the scene in most thrillers where the rookie female cop sees the crime scene for the first time and vomits or freaks out. You can't handle it. Uh, kind of like Silence of the Lambs when Jodie yeah. Foster kind of like, you know, has the terrible thing. goes, oh, I can't deal with it and kind of breaks down and we actually see the opposite that she's actually really quite okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is supposed to be shattering two stereotypes. Number one, that women are too weak to handle crime scenes like this. And number two, that pregnant women can't function effectively in their jobs. And that is a trope. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, that's a trope. Yeah, yeah. I was watching some Grey's Anatomy, because I, I, you might not have picked back up on it or picked up on it early. I'm, I'm, I'm right back into it. And so there's a scene where one of the characters are pregnant, and she's completely like, it's, it's that comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you crying? I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I, yeah. I hear you, but they wouldn't be useless at everything no. all the time. And so no. we get this, which I like. Uh, and she said also there's a, a great function, the fact that there isn't a scene where Marge goes, uh-oh, my water broke, <laughs> which seems to happen in every TV show or movie with a pregnant character in it. If you show a pregnant character, yeah. clearly they have to have the baby during this. Yeah, you didn't see that at all. And they don't give us any of this. That was good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because, I do too. I do too. It's just something, thinking... ab- it's something about her. It doesn't define her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just seeing someone at a point during their life, like Absolutely. how we, we, we've gone to a point after whatever William H. Macy has done. It's yeah. just snapshots in a life. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And the yeah. only, it doesn't control her in any way, apart from the fact that she's just hungry all the time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, she goes to the trooper and she, she figures it all out. She goes, oh, there was, a, there was a big fella here. And here's what happened before when she did the first one. She's like, oh, well, clearly there, they, there was a shooting. They saw it. High speed chase. It ended. Shoots one here. Shoots the other one here. And he was a big fella. And then she looks at the other one and goes, no, smaller guy here. And she's she's put it all, it all together. And her partner's all like, you know, oh, I've already written down for them to look for a license plate with DLR as the first three numbers. And she goes, oh, I hate to criticize your police work there. Yeah. But DLR means dealer plate. And he's like, oh, she's like, oh, it's okay. And it's like, it's a super nice Minnesota. But he did thing. come across as being dumber, didn't he? Oh, she's oh, the yeah. better cop. Yeah. That's the whole and she, yeah, like yeah. like that. But she's also kind and respectful. Yeah, yeah. And she does it with a series of men in this movie. Yeah. Where she's clearly it's it's, it's an interesting sort of commentary, maybe because she's clearly brighter than them. Mm-hmm. But she's trying to let them all down really super easy, which is really nice. Yeah. Really nice, but if they go, should a woman have to apologize like that? To no. correct him. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah so it's yeah. interesting. Don't be wrong. If I made a mistake, I'd love it if someone let me down easy. I really, yeah, really yeah, would. Yeah. I don't know if that's because I'm a man as much as I'm just someone who is, who, like, everybody has some sort of an ego. And so it's nice to have that brought down a bit gentler as opposed to a sledgehammer to the face. Absolutely. Not because of gender, just no. because I'm a sensitive soul. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Though I seem thick-skinned. <laughs> um, You're welcome. Yeah, my friends do stand down way. Don't have that. It's not me who has that problem. <laughs> uh, we go to the summit, and this is um, Wade and Stan Grossman and Jerry. And Jerry's adamant. It can only be me. And at one point he says, this is my deal. And yeah. I'm like, that's a bit of a strange language to use about your kidnapped wife. Yeah. Yeah. 
because um, Wade wants to call the cops. And Stan Grossman's on Team Jerry here. Yeah, he is, yeah. He's back every step of the way. Wade wants to negotiate down to half a million. I'm like, at this point, I'm totally okay when Wade dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why would you put a price like that? Yeah, they go, is this the th- you've got the Why money. You're like, oh. He's like, I don't get it unless he's, he's still Mr. Hard Businessman here. Yeah, stupid. Uh, he says, and, and even Stan Grossman goes, you're not trading a horse. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then he, <laughs> sir, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, Jerry just seems to have completely forgotten about his son in all of this. He, well, he clearly has because he says, oh, wait, so he's like, oh, right. I think it's like Andrew or something. Oh, Scotty. Oh, oh, Scotty. All right. Scott, oh, Scotty. Makes him sound even younger. <laughs> all right, yeah. Scotty. Oh, wow. And then he goes home and Scotty's all like, I think we should call the cops. He's like, no, no, no. And Stan Grossman phoned you twice. Oh, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and it's like, doesn't, isn't this too big of a, like you have, he's just way out of his depth. Absolutely. Um, and then Marge goes and talks to the prostitutes because she hears down through the grapevine that there are these two guys from out of town. They were in a, a Sierra Camry or something like that. Sierra, not Camry. Uh, it was it was a Tan Sierra. Oh, Tan Sierra. Yeah. Sierra was the model. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so goes up and finds out and goes, yeah, we didn't write down their plate number. Oh, interesting. Okay, so we're doing this, this, this. So um, Marge goes up and talks to the prostitutes. And one of the prostitutes, hooker number one, is the accent coach, Larissa Coconut, or Coconut, <laughs> or whatever it was. That is cool. So, yeah. Um, and then she goes, oh, one of them looked funny. And she goes, look funny how? And she goes, well, he, he wasn't circumcised. And I, well, is, there any, <laughs> is there anything else? It becomes sort of a running joke. I don't know. He's just kind of generally funny looking. And the weirdest part is, this would be the most normal Steve Buscemi ever looks. Yeah. As he ages, <laughs> it's not getting better. No, no, <laughs> him. But he's actually able to make a nice character a- actor sort of role for himself before he's, Boardwalk Empire, which I haven't oh, seen. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. He's oh, he's so not wrong, though, are they? Like, he does just look funny. Like He's got buggy eyes. Yeah, and his teeth and... His teeth are yes. too big for his face yeah, yeah, yeah. okay maybe he's, he's a great where he's he's a great he, actor he kind of looks like i love steve buscemi though i'm not really on him. he kind of looks like rango what the, oh. from the animated yeah film. yeah oh my bit. god yeah. he does <laughs> so uh then we go to the hideout and they just, they just arrive and um Oh, no, I've missed the part where they show up. There's a part where they show up, and they let her out of the car, and she, like, gets up, and her hands are tied behind her back, <laughs> yeah. and she's got, like, a bag on her head, and she's running around like a chicken with her head cut off. How she did not hit a tree, I've, I have no idea. Has anyone ever seen Snatch? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do you know the Russian guy who they put the bag on oh, his head? Cool. Oh, it's the God, same. Yeah. It's the same joke. It I'm is. convinced, because that came after this. I'm convinced this had to be an influence on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snatch anyway, 2004 as well, I think. Snatch is earlier than that. Yeah, way earlier. Way earlier than that. Yeah. Snatch is more like 2000. Ooh, maybe. Yeah. It's not like 2000, 2001. No, it's definitely, oh, really? it's de- it's definitely, it's definitely in, in, in the 21st century. Oh. Yeah. Because um, I just remember who I went and saw it with and what time of my life that oh, would have been. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Jerry gets a... Oh, sorry. And then the hideout then. Greer's like looking at Jean. Like, it's weird. She's got a mask on her head. The breath's coming through. She's in this ugly pink jumpsuit thing. Mm. But he's looking at her like... Yeah. He's got, like, romantic... Romantic's the wrong. He's got sexual uh, motivations towards her. He's having a... a was a uh, Lenny and Curly's wife moment. He is. He is. He's like, he's he's on board for the first half of Stockholm Syndrome. Yep. He just needs her to sort of be on board as well. well I don't think he really cares if she's on board as well or not. Oh. But uh, we've got, then we've got Bashemi. She's just beating up a TV. 
<laughs> and just using the F word over and over again. I like the fact he doesn't give up. He just carries on and on and on and on. I think, I think basically they told him, just keep going because we need the shot yeah. of, of Greer looking, looking or Gator or whatever his name is, looking at her. Yeah. That's what, was, that's what we need. <laughs> um, and so Jerry gets a phone call and uh, from Carl. And Carl wants the whole 80,000. You're going, 80,000? He's telling them a million. Yeah, this is his plan. He's gonna. Li- it's not a bad plan. I'm gonna pocket nine hundred and twenty thousand. At which point, like, why are you fighting about? Well, I guess he's fighting because he's got five hundred thousand. Is what Wade wants to make it. He owes three twenty. Yeah, that's one eighty left over. He can give eighty to the kidnappers. That's a hundred. Yeah, it's still be a hundred in the clear if the debt we know of is the only debt he yeah, has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we go to. Uh, Oh, he gets a second phone call. This one's from the guys who lent him the money in the first place and said he has to pay everything back by tomorrow or else he's go- they're going to go to the legal department. And for the second time in this movie, Jerry has a tantrum. <laughs> and he tries... Nope, not yet. Uh, we go to the buffet, and I'm just like, I miss a buffet. <laughs> this was great. Do you know the best buffet I ever had was in Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, you could have had anything. You could have had um, uh, bacon, egg, and chips. You yeah. could have had a Chinese. You could have had... Anything oh, you wanted. God, I miss nines. You know, you could have had whatever, every part of the country, any part of the world, you could have had anything. There's this place in the United States, and they love themselves a buffet down there. It was there. great. But it was called Hometown Buffet. Okay. And it's a chain. And I went there with my friend Chris, and we sat there for a while. We were having a talk. It was really more about the talk, but we'd been there for a long time. Yeah. And we, he went to get up, and I went to get up, and he went, what are you doing? And I went, I'm going to get more. He goes, they've asked us twice if we're okay. I said, yeah, what's your point? He goes, we both get up. They're going to give someone else our table. And then they'll say, take your food and go home. That's fine, but you're done. He said, the secret is I get up and you sit. And then you get up and I'll sit. But we're not leaving this table. <laughs> we were there for like five hours. <laughs> like we were talking for yeah, large yeah, portions yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, like we, we were, we were, I, mean, I was like 20. He must have been like 21, 22. Yeah. And he, he was an Indiana farm boy football player type. I mean, we were just, we were putting a dent in this thing. <laughs> cool. Oh, they were going to go, we're closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't let him back in. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you what, one more. I, when I was there, I helped move the office down there. And so we all went out for uh, dinner together. And they said, we'll take you out to a Chinese buffet yeah, yeah. to sort of th- whatever. And we walked in. And I was six foot and about 250, I want to think of a time. And so uh, I was the smallest guy. Wow. And we had a couple of big Samoan guys. And, of course, they're always named Junior, which yeah, is always yeah. funny because they're always so <laughs> yeah, so yeah. big. And, like, one of them is, like, six seven, And, like, he's got to be 400 plus pounds and i swore the faces on they must have thought we were filming some sort of like wind-up show because they watched me and they're like yeah all right and then they get bigger each person it's like it's like we like lined up almost they put us on this one table and you see them like shouting like make more food it's great oh oh that's good i miss phoenix um and so um while she's at the buffet, um, Marge finds out that the two calls made by Carl and Gray were to a trucking company and Shep Proudfoot. So, um, meanwhile, we, the $1 million has been procured and Wade insists he's given the money. Carl, because we're going fast and furious, Carl now is at a parking lot and switches the license plates. Mm-hmm. So you can't get pulled over for fake plates. And if they know who his plates were, they're not going to find them. Yeah. 
and uh, he goes off on the guy in the toll booth. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can see him getting his fuse get shorter and shorter throughout the film. Yeah, about how far he's willing to be pushed by people, in the, and it's always about authority. So with the cop, he was like, "Oh, let me bribe you," and now he's yelling at the guy in the toll booth, and later it'll be a, a shorter fuse than that. He doesn't know it's not going well. No, uh, Marge talks to Shep, and she's really good at what she does. So good. Because he's like, oh, you weren't, this is your number, right? Yeah. He goes, oh. Because you know that just having the phone call from the two of them, that would break your parole. I'd sure be ashamed if someone found out about that. Especially because. It's cause, also twee, isn't it, with her little Minnesota Oh, it is. It's, it's the combination. Because she's, she's, she's flat out, like, threatened, I'll put your ass back in jail if you yep. don't. And she goes, she's doing it in such a nice way, like Columbo would. Yeah, and she's like, so, you know, I'm sure a nice fellow like you wouldn't have anything to do with homicide, so just you need to be thinking to yourself, are you sure you weren't there when that phone call came along? (laughs) And it's like, so then he, essentially after that, she goes and she sees Jerry, and Jerry is guilty as sin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't even remember what the first question she asks was. It was just, were there any, were there any cars that you can't account for? And he's like, well, he's so nervous and scared. I'm like, what are you doing? He doesn't answer the question. And she no. completely avoids it. And then she has to ask him again. He's just like, nope. Yeah. And then she leaves. And then he phones Shep. And Shep's not there. And Jerry's starting to freak out. Well, just before Marge came in, he was doodling on his uh yeah on his page and he just did that on set and the cohen's liked it and they said well let's put it in one of the scenes just do that oh. i guess it shows how worried he is how much yeah, you doodle yeah. you're obviously you can't focus on a thing except for you're obsessing absolutely and then marge uh meets uh mike y- mike yanagita uh, who phoned her earlier but they meet up for a drink because he's in minnesota i mean minneapolis and she's up for a visit and I'm writing very early. It looks like Mike's holding a torch. And then like two seconds later, he's like, do you mind if I sit over over here? And only so does he crazy. sit there, he puts his arm around her and tries to get her a drink. Well, a, she's pregnant. Yeah. So can't drink. B, this romantic thing is inappropriate because she's pregnant and she's therefore in a committed relationship. Yep. Oh, and so, so she goes no uh why don't you sit over there i prefer that and he apologizes and then she's like oh it's okay it's okay no no it's not no i don't think you meant that and she clearly does yeah. but it's the idea of letting I just him down i want to get a crick in my neck yeah from <laughs> like she, she makes it like the nicest way possible she is and he said, we find out mike's wife has died and he's so lonely he starts crying and he's like, I always remember you being a super lady and super nice to me. And basically, the, I think the assumption is, and therefore, I thought we'd have sex. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. very nice guy. And she like kind of has a sip for a drink and goes, maybe we could sit just for another time. And he's like, no, he like, kind of breaks down. I'm like, whoa. It is that I'm a nice guy. Therefore, you owe me what I want. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how it comes off. Yeah, yeah. Like way, way ahead of its time. Yeah. Like even in 96, like these sorts of conversations, this is ahead of that, that sort of time frame. Mm-hmm. Because Hollywood's taught us that the nice guy ends up with a girl at the end. Yeah. That's, and it's also taught us that, you know, the girl who's the nice girl next door, eventually the boy will realize that that's what he wants all along. I'm glad they didn't pursue this route. <laughs> no, and it's an interesting thing. So why does it exist? It's quite ambiguous, though. It is quite ambiguous. We find out later that, he, that Mike's full of it mm-hmm. and quite creepy. Mm-hmm. Why does it exist? It's creepy in this bit. I think it's just an idea that she's just really deft at handling people in all sorts of situations, not just professionally but personally as well. Yeah. And situations where you might, you know, 
um, she might be seen as vulnerable because she's pre- far from it. Yeah, far from it. She's, she's like, actually really, really quite strong. She's strong, and clued up, clued up, and also really um, kind. Yeah, kind. Um, which is why he makes a move that she doesn't want. She puts him back, but she doesn't. To be fair, she doesn't kill him over it either. No, no, no. Sit over there. That's what I want. Thank you. Yeah, and then just gives him an out. Mm-hmm. Gives him an out for his dignity. Yep. Don't want to hurt your neck. Because it's not like it's just some random guy at the bar who's just walked over. It's someone who she had some sort of a pre-existing relationship with and is going, I will give you a chance to save face here. Yep. I think there's some kindness in that. There is. Yeah. I love kindness. Um, Carl is on a date. I say with finger quotes. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you know, you ever had anybody take you to this room before? He says, oh, no, 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 no. He's, you know, a little bit of the in and out. <laughs> In and out because he's on a date with a prostitute. In and out burger. You know, how long? How long have you worked for the escort service? And she goes, I don't know, a few months. He says, Do you find that work interesting? Do you? He's like, What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like someone's gone. You know, if George was here, she'd be making the comment. There's nothing, you know, about about sex workers' rights and all those sorts of things. Yeah. And absolutely, that wasn't a conversation happening in 1996. No, 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 no. This would have been something that you did not sort of. Uh, aspire to be this is something that circumstance probably put you in yep yep um and so then they're having sex as is his want and then uh out of nowhere shep comes up and starts to attack everybody <laughs> i think it's funny that he don't he, he don't he stops them halfway through oh drags her off. <laughs> he's barbaric here he call. like he grabs he that like belt and just across the table yeah but grabs the belt and just goes i thought he was a kid what i was expecting because i'd forgotten i thought gergerero or whatever his name was was going to shoot him dead yeah but this is the last we see a shep well, did you notice when he's slashing him with the um, belt? Yeah. That's actually making marks on A oh, huge welt. Yeah. So you're like, huge. Um, and so at one point when he's getting beat up, um, Buscemi's character says, come on, chill out, smoke a peace pipe or something. <laughs> he does. And I was like, oh. I was like, Whoa. Now, yeah. Um, and, you know, we said it in the 1980s. Of course, yeah. this is a line that I would expect to hear. And he's not supposed to be a good guy. No. Oh, yeah. He's an awful person. <laughs> he's an awful person. It, it lends up to his character. Yeah. He phones uh, Jerry and uh, says, I want this taken care of now. I don't want to wait anymore. Where's my money? Yeah. And so Wade's on the other end of the phone, hears it, goes for the exchange. And Jerry's like, oh, geez, nuts, and kicking the door and all that <laughs> stuff again. And... um when the phone call happens and Carl says to Jerry, time to meet, he says, you know what? He says, 30 minutes and we'll wrap this up. There's exactly 30 minutes from the rest from the end of the film. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nice. I always I always like when this sort of stuff happens. Oh, yeah. yeah, I do. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Uh, then we get to the exchange. Wade is practicing his speech. So there's not much different. I mean, he's, he's, he's just a guy with the advantage. He's got money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, is Wade anything if not for Stan Grossman? It seems like probably not because Stan Grossman's flip flopped, yeah. And like, no, this is the way we're going to run it. It's it's Wade's show. Uh, so then Carl's like, "Well, where's Jerry?" And he said, "Take the money, and I want to see my daughter." Where's you know? And of course, he doesn't have the daughter. No, because he's not expecting this. this. Isn't how it was drawn up. And um, but it's really stupid because he puts the money down and then lets himself get shot. And he looks down at his coke. I don't think anyone ever stands up to Wade in his life. So, and then he manages, and then oh, Buscemi's not paying attention because the guy's clearly reaching in his, in his yeah. You know uh, he is, and you're like, why? Uh, he basically shoots uh, Wade. Then basically shoots Carl's jaw off. 
Oh, that was horrible. So Carl then shoots Wade like a hundred more times, and I don't care. Yeah, he unloads. I'm totally okay with this. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been more upset if Carl died than if Wade died Same. at this point. Yep. Same. Uh, and then he goes to the, to the ticket booth and goes, man, have your ticket, please. And he's just like, open the fucking gate. <laughs> and then apparently he must give, give him a hard time, yeah, as we find must, out, yeah. because Jerry the goes to the drop. The yeah. ticket guy is so, oh, he's so he's nice. So joyous. He's so nice. Yeah. He's like, may I take your ticket? He's like, it's like the it's best his first day on the life. job. Yeah. He's, Today's the day I'm going to show my wife I'm serious. I got a job. I'm going to win her back. Oh, don't. Uh, That's killing me. I'm creating a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> it's killing him. So yeah. Jerry goes to the drop. He finds Wade dead and pops the trunk. I guess the estimation is that Wade's going in the trunk. Yeah. 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 Uh, he drives back and sees the dead parking garage attendant i'm guessing i already got one in my trunk yeah, I'm leaving. that, not, that one's not on there. me no. <laughs> uh there's lots of exposition talk um between um these two guys it's a random police officer and just some old guy and it's just one scene but i thought it was a really really fun little scene because you can only have marge stumble upon so much stuff by by chance exactly yeah and so we find out that Carl went out one night and was talking, had a couple of drinks and got talking about how he was killing people and he's hiding out in the lake house and needs some action. And he's hitting up this old guy for working for a prostitute, which we just saw him with. Yeah. So we can see how those, those dots are connected. And he goes, what do you look like? He goes, I don't know, a little guy. It's funny looking. Funny how. Funny he goes, I don't know, just, 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 just like in a general way. <laughs> yeah. Didn't mention that he wasn't circumcised. So I'm no. guessing they kept their clothes on for this exchange, <laughs> unlike with the prostitutes. And then we go to Carl in the great outdoors. He's got like a coloring book. I don't know if you noticed. It was like like a little like star castle from a coloring book up against his face. No, sort of no, sopping no. up the blood. No. Yeah, no. it was. Oh, it's proper gross. But, um, and so. Yeah, it sticks to his face. It sticks to his like, face. He has to rip yeah. it off and then put a new one on almost instantly. Yeah. yeah. And when he talks, like he had to, he was he was fairly well spoken for the first half of the movie. And then like he's like, it's almost like he's like one of those guys who has like a throat box. I think it's because mm. his jaw is broken. Oh, his jaw is absolutely. So, he, so he's trying the sound, to try and the to sound's probably face, escaping yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Ooh. So he takes the eighty grand out. I'm like, what's he doing? And he's bearing the ever nine twenty. I'm like, oh, clever. The problem is he looks up and down, <laughs> and it's like one uniform blanket of white, and it's not even clever like is not the word I would use. no, because 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 back home. I'm like, all right, you'd have hills, you'd have curves. Like, this is like flat land. This yeah. is prairies. So, um. And footprints leading up to it and all sorts. Yes, how do you track it? He just puts like the ice scraper in the, in the ground. I'm like, um, you, like if there's a few snowflakes, that's going to get buried. Yeah. That red ice scraper. Um, then we have Marge on the phone. She's going to leave Minnesota that day. She's no longer asking for restaurant recommendations like she'd been. I mean, she, she'd been great with Twitter and Facebook. Hey, where, where can I eat near the. <laughs> but um, we find out that uh, Mike never married this girl, Linda. She's not dead. In fact, Linda was pestering him. No, he sorry, was pestering sorry. Linda. He was pestering Linda. Yeah. I don't know why I made that mistake. He was pestering Linda, and she basically had to, you know, get quite forceful, I guess, to, to, to get him to stop. And Marge is like, oh, jeez. Because he did phone her at like 11 something at night with nothing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is. Very, I saw you on the TV and thought I'd call. Yeah. Oh, I hope I'm not waking you up. And it's like, it's 1045. It's like 1045, whether someone. It's still late to call. Very late. Especially when you got like a ma- she's a married woman, you Anytime know. Anytime after nine, you're talking too late, aren't you? I think nine o'clock, unless you're yeah. really, really good friends and you've had a conversation on text or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. 
we get back and marge is just got one last thing to do she goes back and sees jerry and goes how would you know if a car went missing which i think is a totally reasonable question just what are the what are the safety checks because he could easily say oh shoot we didn't know mm-hmm. she wants to know what are, what are the protocols yeah. and he's like i answered your question and i'm like you really haven't no nope. i'm being cooperative i'm like you're really not you're being evasive <laughs> yeah and like we, like his tone does not match the timber of the question. No. Like, he's agitated. It's like, why are you agitated? This question doesn't deserve... It's not a proportional response. Yeah. Uh, and so... He's just so busy. Yeah, I'm just so busy. <laughs> I've helped you out. I've answered your question. She goes, great. Can I... How do I get a hold of your father-in-law? And then he's like, I'll go do one right now. She goes, oh. And she just goes ahead and sits down. And then, sure enough, she sees him drive out, and out he goes. Uh, yeah, he's done a run And she's like, trying to, I don't know who she's talking to. He's fleeing the, he's, he's fleeing the interview. He's fleeing the interview. Is he? Is he? And she's a little pregnant lady, right? What's she gonna, so that funny. was cute. It was that all right. Was, it was. And both times she went and saw him, she went, do, do you mind if I sit? and carrying quite a load here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's that charming, I think it's one of her weapons, this charming small town cop act. Yeah. As she runs through so the good. steps, I love it. she goes, because when he says, like, no, we don't have it, she goes, well, let me, here's a question. The two men we're looking for, they phoned here. So why would they phone here if not for this reason? Which is then why he then goes, I'll go look, I'll go look. Yeah, yeah. And that's so, um, and so we get him go back to Carl, who's back finally with Rare. Uh, he gives him his 40 grand. Here's your 40 grand that I'm going to keep the Sierra. And I'm like, he goes, well, you, one of us has to buy the one out. Said, I'm not doing that. I'm like, dude, you've got $920,000 more. Why are you blowing this? Yeah. Say, here, take 60. I'll take 20 in the car. Yeah. Or haggle and say, what do you want? How much do you think it's worth? And let him make the decision to go, fine, but never talk to me again. Yeah. And just kind of go. But all that ends up happening is the ax man cometh. All I keep thinking is, why don't you just get hospital quick? <laughs> See, this guy wouldn't have needed a lecture from Thanos because he did go for the head. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he, I, thought, I, I love how the camera angle set it up. Oh. I just knew you just looking at that doorway and you're thinking, he's coming. Yeah. <laughs> he gets axed a question. Uh, <laughs> and down he goes. And then Marge gets lucky, not in the way that Mike uh, wanted to happen at the Radisson, but she mm-hmm. just happens to be driving by and they have, so whenever they're into the line is being like, yeah, and his... We talked to Stan Grossman. <laughs> Stan Grossman says that, uh, you know, uh, Jerry's wife has been missing since the day of the first homicide. Yep. And she's like, oh. And, like, oh. and she just happens to drive right by because they had a tip off. It was somewhere around the lake, yep. which is the conversation we saw earlier between the old guy and the and the other trooper. And she happens to walk by. I found the car. I found the car. And you just hear, and you thought. I, what thought, it was, I thought it was a chainsaw. You thought it was a chainsaw. I thought they were chopping up the limbs. <laughs> Nope. No. <laughs> nope. Um, Greer's disposing of Carl's leg in the wood chipper. I thought this was really funny. And the fact this that he's leaning possibly, on it. Possibly what? the most graphically disgusting thing I've ever seen in a film, but Blech. also kind of not. Especially because, me either. Especially because like, cause, like shot, the bone is stuck. Like, he's using funny. a piece of wood. Yeah. It's safety first. He's trying to push <laughs> this foot in. And, you know... Um, and then over to the side, this the snowbank is just red. Yeah, yeah it's Snow the blood splashes coming out the other side. It's oh, like, oh, I thought it was so good. 
it's horrible. so well done, especially for how bright it is. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, it's a really bright day, and the red on the white it actually kind of works in that regard. But it's the bit after when, like, she's shouting at him to get his attention, and he can't—he can't hear her. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, he looks over just to point at the badge on her hat to identify herself, <laughs> and then he throws the bit of wood. Out. He throws the piece of wood he's been using to try it at her, and then he runs, and he's running across the lake, yeah. very symbolic and similar to the first killing where he's killing the guy running across uh, the field i generally thought he was going to go through the ice yeah that would have been a nice way to sort of end it i guess yeah. but she shoots she, him in the leg which shows she she's an accurate shot but she's also doing her job right yeah she's not going to she's, she wants to arrest him yeah sorry Ethan, what was that oh no i was gonna say with liam there's even a bit like there's a moment where um marge is like having to take it very carefully around the frozen river just because it's like mm-hmm. the fear of it cracking yeah so i thought that was how i was gonna go as well i'd like to i'd like, I'd like to have seen him go through it <laughs> go so he's on the lake just been shot he's been shot um you know and so i have a little section here called why so chipper and so <laughs> oh, <laughs> the wood chipper used in the movie is now on display at the fargo moorhead visitor center Oh, I love that. Do they have blood splatter? <laughs> I don't think so. Just, yeah. How about this, though? The distributor of the film, Gramercy, drummed up interest amongst critics with a promotional gift, a snow globe encasing a diorama of the wood chipper scene, complete with bloody red flakes that would scatter when you shook the globe. Oh, I want one of these. <laughs> if anybody is would. out there and has access, I want this. I knew you would. <laughs> In the back of the car, she's like his mom. She's giving him a tough love speech why would you do all this for a little bit of money yeah there's more to life than a little bit of money don't you know that i think it's great little speech she's also really close to being a mom i thought it was brilliant yeah uh and then i've got a little bit that calls mr plow that's my name that name (laughs) again is mr plow because as they go and find jerry in this motel there's a snow plow that goes by snow plow wasn't supposed to drive by there was a sign saying we're shooting don't drive by and some employee of the state was like screw that i got a job to do (laughs) and just blew right through it i got himself kind of in the film that's brilliant um so yeah We go to Bismarck, North Dakota. We have some guttural noises, and we've got Jerry, who's trying to flee, and he is arrested with the least dignity ever. Yeah. He's in his underwear, and he just gets pushed down on the bed. He's like, ah! They're trying to cuff him, and it takes forever. Yeah. Yeah, very undignified. And then we go back home. Marge and Norma are in bed. His painting's going to be a three-cent stamp. And what is she doing? She builds him up. She tells him how it's great to have a three-cent stamp because everyone has to use that. When the prices go up, you need the small small amount stamps, which makes a lot of sense. And he feels better. And they sit there and they eat their food. And good night, good night. And it's like, just think two more months. And she goes, two more months. And that's it. This isn't a great event in her life. It's just what was happening. Not the baby. I mean, the arrest. It's just what she did at work that week. And we're moving on. And her life is this little eating you know kind of home life she has with with her husband and it's really really sweet and that's our film it's it's a nice slice of life which is really strange to say for a film about mutilation and murder and ransoms yeah yeah so i mean i really i hadn't seen this since the first time i saw it okay only the second time i've seen it i love this film i surprisingly do like this film there we go I don't love it, uh, but I really do like this film. Uh, 
Ellie, I, I, I have a feeling you're I kind think, of. I think it's very clever. I think you're kind of uh, in pieces about this one. Uh, <laughs> she's not feeling so sorry. Clever. You liked it. I like it. I okay. definitely like it. You like I dark can't stuff. work out whether I like it or I really like it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, actually, this is possibly the most I've struggled on a on a rating of well, a film that I like. Yeah, as opposed to is it a three or is it a two and a half? Yeah. <laughs> on that note, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that you were that you like this. Oh, I I adored this. Yeah. I yeah. I love a lot of the Coen Brothers stuff. I think we're we're very divisive on our Coen Brothers love. I like Hail Caesar, but oh, I hate Hail Caesar. Never this is it. leagues above Hail. Oh, this is this is leagues above Hail. I'll agree yeah. with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I I think this is so well done. So there clever. Is, there's a point where I just kind of forgot that it was based on a true story yeah. and I said that in quotations and I was just kind of enjoying it. Yeah, I just kind of abandoned it. I, even the first time I watched it, I didn't put really any stock into it. I just enjoyed the film. Mm. The reason I said to you, based on a true story, and I said to you, it's a black comedy. How can that be based on a true story? That's what made me think yeah. that can't be. Yeah. I was but, just trying to wind it up. For, for, <laughs> you did. For you, you did very well. I did all right. I shook up. It says it right there. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't just, you can't just put that on the screen. I'm like, yeah, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast is based on true characters. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, that was that. So it seems to be generally quite positive. I think Georgia would have liked this. Uh, yeah, I, don't. I think I think the scenes. violence is kept very comedic. Yeah, but I think it's certain oh, scenes she wouldn't. We didn't mention Jean dies, right? Yeah, yeah she's just laying the, yeah, on the ground, yeah, yeah, still yeah, attached yeah. to this. Whether he just lost it, Greer, and, and, and like killed her, I think he did. Or if he tried to make, I don't know what she happened. She was move. just laying there. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was definitely dead. How she died, I don't know. Oh okay. I didn't think she had, and then on reflection, realized she probably had, and it kind of tampered my grumble a little bit. If I may say this, Scotty's having a hell of a life now. Yeah. Oh, he is having a great time. Dad's going to jail. Mum's dead. Yeah. Grandpa's dead. On the flip side, he's inherited a whole ton of cash. Oh, he's got a lot of money. Stan Grossman's his new daddy. <laughs> and, we, and we know Stan phones. He cares. He knows yeah, who he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it makes up for. Uh, Wish I was him. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah not so much. Dad went to great. Not so much. So I think we're at that time. Hopefully, I hit the right button here and go. We're in the end game now. And we are in the end game now. I hit the right button. Took you me did. a second to remember what it was. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the money. Money, money, money. 96, did you say? 96. I bet you the budget's going to surprise you. Uh, I don't think the, the budget is that big. You're correct. I'm going to say something hmm. like 4 million. 4 million? Yeah. Okay, you're, right the, you're actually right in the ballpark. It's Am seven. I? It's seven. Oh, okay. Wow. How much do you think it makes? Oh. 85? 85? Ellie? And Ethan. 60. I'm convinced Ethan cheats. Ah, Ethan. 60.5. Wow. Whoa. Miles off Ethan. Because it is is a massive... It is a massive critical hit. Yeah, it's a niche, though, isn't it? It doesn't play well in cinemas, no. and not until it gets its Oscar buzz. Like it was like only one and a half million after its first weekend. Like, yeah. it, but then it gets nominated for Oscars, and then all of a sudden, the boom! It, yeah. People in the buzz, and people come and they watch it, and more people review it, and it gets put in more cinemas. Da 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 da. So, uh, really, it's like the Shape of Water scenario. I think I'm not yeah. familiar with Shape of Water, so yeah. It did okay, and then it wins the Oscar for Best Picture, and it just it storms it for like a good month so we talked a little bit about the double act of Greer and uh and and steve buscemi so carl uh played by steve buscemi and gayer played by peter stormare uh 
How many lines of dialogue do you think Peter Stormare has in the whole film? Uh, Seven. Seven? Okay. <laughs> 25. 25, and Ethan? 20. 18. Wow. Whoa. He does cheat. Hashtag Ethan cheats. <laughs> Ethan cheats. How Ethan am I cheating? Cheat. <laughs> I just went 500. How are you <laughs> cheating? When you're out answering the question, you're like moving your mouse and looking at your computer screen. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, I'm doing the review segment. I'm, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm yeah. doing the thing I haven't prepared yet. <laughs> um, Wait till we get to the age game, then we can really see if he's What about Steve Buscemi? <laughs> In comparison, how many lines? 18 by, by Greer. How many by Steve Buscemi? 320. 320. Ellie? 180. 180. And Ethan? 290. 150. Uh-huh. So Ethan's doubling it now. He's like, how can I throw him off a scent? I'll get this one wrong. I totally know how you play this, because it's the same thing I would do if I was cheating. Uh, the Legacy. Uh, it, though it doesn't feature any of the same characters as the movie, the first season of a TV series called Fargo, which I have not seen. Ethan, I'm assuming you think it's pretty good. Yeah, I because it's it got Martin Freeman in it, and he's very good in that. It does reveal what happened to the nearly $1 million that was buried. Does it? Apparently it does. Remember. So it also has Ewan McGregor in it, doesn't it? Oh. Don't he might be I'm in season two or something, but I, I'm sure I've seen Fargo poster with, with, with him on it. Oh, okay. I'll check, because I remember I, I saw this back in like 2014, so it's cool. barely in my brain. Uh, let's do one more guessing game on my side of things here. The swear... Ju- Pardon me? It does have you, McGregor. Oh, there we go. Well done. So there we go. Uh, the swear jar. Fuck and its derivatives are said how many times in this film? This surprised me. I might be becoming desensitized. I did not notice this being said a lot. 78 mm-hmm. times. 78? Okay. Ellie? <laughs> no, I have literally no idea. I'm desensitized as well. Okay. 50. 50. And Ethan? I don't even... I barely remember the, the fucks just because it's so normal for the for the script. I'll go 80. Wow. So Liam said 78. Oh, you said 80. Yeah. Correct answer is 75. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, Gets in mostly by uh, by Steve Buscemi. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes. If you think about how many times he says it when he's slapping the TV, yeah, and he's just killing for time. Oh yeah, but he says it ten times during Wade's death scene alone. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's top roll of women. I think it's really strong with um, her in it, Frances McDermott. Yeah, she comes across as very cool, calm, collected, nice. She's great. She's the strongest character in the whole film. Yep. You know, so and yeah, good. Not yeah. so much the um, not so much the sub characters. Okay. <laughs> but her I mean, it is very much the best of times, the worst of times. The only yeah, two yeah, female there's, characters there's no, of consequence yeah. are her and Jean. Yeah. Yeah. Ellie? Just how Margie is completely capable throughout her pregnancy. Well, obviously, you don't see all elements of the pregnancy, but she's still able to do her job. She's still really good at her job. She's so much better than everyone else at it. Um, she's The way that she deals with people is really good. She's just really sharp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I got that from last time. I mean, I think Marge is, is, is a really well-written character. Mm-hmm. Bar, bar none. Um I don't know. I mean, the rest are seedy underbelly types, but, you know, if it's 1982, I would believe the guy running the car lot would be a man. That would be the expectation. I would expect the guy who owns the car lot would be a man. His financial advisor would be a man. The two hit men, I would expect they would be men. Yep. Uh, to, to, it's kind of similar to what we said with the usual suspects to, to 
aim for a more diverse cast with the sole purpose representation would take away from the effectiveness of the story you were going It'd to tell. Tokenism, wouldn't it? It, it, it would. It, it would. It would. Yeah. And I just, it, it's, you know, I don't think, and this is my own personal thing, I don't think every movie has to be um, a comprehensive in representation for its sake, as long as we have a comprehensive amount of stories that make it to the cinema. Yeah. So we have stories with large female casts, of course, and we have, st- but not that everyone has to have you know this sort of equal proportion of all demographics in all things. No. Just g- open people's o- open opportunities for people from from all walks of life to have stories told with their people who look like them on screen, people who look like them or they identify with behind the camera, yeah. all those sorts of things. So I'm okay with the, and I think as we said, Marge is one of the great characters. I think in modern American film, so. I like her. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> um, so let's go with this. I, I almost feel like it goes right into it. Best character? I mean, is there anybody who's not going to say Marge? No. No. I think because we're all unanimously going to say Marge, um, I think we should say someone other than her. All right. Go ahead. So I like Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Yeah, he's very good, isn't it? He is. Yeah. Uh, Ellie? Um, oh, I don't know. I hadn't prepared for this. Um, <laughs> Jerry, we're, we're maybe? Just, we're just saying who you like. It's, it's <laughs> well, I don't really... The thing is, I don't like any of well, the Well, I say his per- oh, performance. Oh, no, no, I do have, I do have one. Okay. I really liked the old guy um, that she that she talks to near the lake who's like who says that Steve Buscemi was funny looking as well. Actually, that's not her talking to him. That's a different cop. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's a different cop. But the, basically, the cop just says... Oh, so you saw something. And he just does like a monologue for three minutes. It's yeah. a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, no, him. he's good. Okay. Ethan? Oh, God. Um, so if I can't pick Jerry or... You can pick you Jerry. Can, okay, you, pick can, Jerry. you can pick any of them. No. I don't want to <laughs> no. pick Jerry because I don't like him. But I don't the like Jerry. But performance is good, though. Yeah. But the yeah. Tracy does him so good. It's yeah. like this weasley little pathetic It's about performance. Yeah. yeah. He is an embodiment of the word moist. No. That's not a bad shout. He's good. He's good. I'm gonna go with because uh, it, it could be Jerry, it could be Wemish Macy. He's really, really good. I'm gonna go a slightly different direction. It's a bit of a cheat. I'm gonna go with Marge's husband. Oh, he's oh, he is because good. it just brings out another. Uh, it, it, no, it brings out another version like, of of who he is. Yeah. and you know what? This is a very atypical representation. Talk about representations. He stays home yeah. and takes care of her and makes sure she's fed, and she goes out and earns the money. Yeah, and I'm really quite. I really, I really quite like that dynamic, and a word that wouldn't be used for another 25 years in any sort of great sort of uh, regularity. Normalizing that those sorts of alternative family arrangements, and you can see her kindness and his kindness are the same. There's just a genuine affection between the two of them, which is really, yeah. really comes across on screen. And maybe it is that backstory they came up with, maybe. and and playing off of that sort of concept. But yeah. they are clearly. Um, in this comfortable long-term couple love thing, yeah, it's so, so down dull. To yeah, but <laughs> but it's the idea of finding the joy in the dullness and the routine. Yeah, I think yeah. I think because everything is so exciting at work, yeah, and there's so many things going on, having something calm to come home. Yeah, to. I think the dullness and the routine yeah. of it it's is. Nice. You know, yeah. we didn't even talk yeah, about the bit where like happy, aren't they? he yeah. brings her, she brings him like fishing bait. Yeah. Or, oh, that was a bit gross. That was, Sorry, that's my grossest <laughs> part of the whole thing. Yeah. So, um, best moment, best element. Uh, my favorite element is the chipper, only because I found it gross, and I I, I found myself laughing at it. I'll tell you what. I think it's the thing on the movie poster. I, th- it, I, I, I think it's the wood chipper. Yeah, it's or at least the one I've chosen. He's really yeah. trying to push it in. Yeah, yeah, and he's not listening to it. Yeah. He's just. It's a dark comedy, and isn't he it? Throws the bit of wood at. Her. Yeah. Uh, Ellie. 
Um, I really like the first investigation scene. So that's kind of the introduction to Margie on her own um, away from Norm. So when she's when she's proving how when she's retching uh, a bit quick and, yeah yeah but not so much with the retching but, but with the, the, just that scene just yeah. yeah so how how clever she is how quickly she picks up on exactly what's happened and you can just tell she's really really sharp and she's yeah. meant to be there and it kind of it, again it takes away from that kind of old, whole pregnant woman trope um and just puts her really in her place as a strong female lead mm-hmm. sure Ethan. I I love that little that that little three minute monologue the old guy has. It's so because he just keeps saying the same things like, "Oh, and he he told me uh, he'd go out and that wouldn't be fun for him." And it's it's so it's so funny. Oh, I, so like natural. Like I'm. It's like I do retail, so I'm used to hearing people talk like this. But it's so well done. I don't. I'm having a hard time distinguishing one thing. I guess I'll go with a script. I think the script is funny. I think it does what it needs to do. I think we get in and out in 90 minutes. And this is a script. We've talked about it a lot in a lot of different things lately. This is a show-don't-tell script. Yeah. There's very few things that are emphatically just said. It's all nuance, and it's all read between the lines, and it's all let the camera and the characters and the acting, let them say what needs to be said. You just have to create this really, you know. So when he says, I think I'm going to go to bed, it's not like he goes, Oh, boy, I don't want to talk to him. How many times did he phone? Twice. Oh, no. Did he say he was phoning back? Oh, no. No, it's just, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. And you get, he's a weasel, yeah, right? Yeah. So It's the same reason I love Burn After Reading, because it's all just, it's all subtext. The Coens are, are are great writers and great directors. I mean, they're just, they're just masters of their craft. And so I will go with the script. And the script puts everybody in a situation where they can win. Mm-hmm. And when you get indie films like this that are made for not much money and they end up Doing becoming really huge, well. huge yeah. critical hits, usually it's on the on because you don't have money to afford. I mean, how they got Roger? I guess they got Deacons before Deacons was was, was Deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, usually then these films have to get made on on the back of a really really sharp script, and, and we have that here, and it lets actors who may not have been household names become household names and everybody wins and i just like a film like this and i don't want it to be another 25 years before i see it again no. so there is that uh a grumble a grumble from anybody on this um uh i don't like how they sort of just throw away gene's death because it's like a throwaway well, line. Hang on, hang on. Jean's character, the whole film is throwaway, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. She sits there. In- she has really no interaction with Jerry no. at the start. We get a small lecture about hockey, and that's why we're going to pull you out of hockey, and that's what yeah. it is. But then she's too dumb to realize someone's about to break into her house with a crowbar. She's constantly a, a, a character of comedic effects. She runs around with the chicken with, with her head cut off. Yeah. When you, like, she, I think... All this is done so that when she dies, we're we're not upset. Now you can be upset about. It. I'm just sort of pointing out that side of it. So I will throw back to you here. I think it's more that it's like it's the constant thing, and I'm okay if she dies. I need the not even like to show it, but there to be more than just a throw a line of oh, so that didn't go well, huh? Like between the two of them, I I feel there needs to be just a little bit more because it's just she's that she's just a body on the floor again. Yeah. Yeah, right. I thought that that was just a bit with them, like kind of she was just unconscious. But it was when Margie in the car at the end is like, I'm guessing that was Jerry's wife on the floor or whatever it. So she obviously hadn't gotten up. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like the accent. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, it kept throwing me. I love the accent. It kept throwing me. We kept- sat through train spotting. My North American <laughs> ear sat through train spotting and rated it highly. I, I think it's so much the characterization of these people and the, oh, you're so, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like kind of like, it's not. It's like the northern version of like, all right, there. How y'all? Oh, y'all, and some nice oh, folks okay. today. It, it, it's just that kind of you know non-city accent. Yeah, yeah. It just kept I, taking me out of it. Ellie? I think if I had one friend with that accent, I would find their accent really endearing. But being so surrounded by it by everybody in the film, I was like, oh my god! Really? Wow! I yeah. love it. I love it. I, I, I think, think it's great. great. It felt like it came, I kept to coming and going. No, because I don't want to. I see. I, I love being placed in new places, and this was sort of. And there were different levels of this. Like William H Macy's wasn't like Frances McDermott's. Like hers was like off the charts. Yeah, and I loved it. And it seemed like the people from Minneapolis of who you know william h macy was that side of it weren't as severe as like you know the small town cops and even oh what the husband's name i forgot the husband's name was norm Norm. you know his was also really good ah and it's like just a slower pace of life and you know going to the buffet and this was like this was their idea of fine dining you know what i mean so like oh i loved it oh no that that, just kept taking me out of it I don't think I have anything to grumble about on this one. I'm really struggling. Ooh. I don't think I do. I'm totally cool. Even the little bits where I'm like, how do you, you know, why does he owe money? I'm, I'm, I'm okay not knowing. And some of that the Coen brothers do well is not everything has to be paid off. Some yeah. things are left up to you to infer. And if you figure it out, great. You know, is she dead? We're not really sure. And that's something that they kind of play with in other films as well. This idea of, you think a character's life or death should be an important thing. Mm-hmm. But no, they're like, if you pay attention, great. If you don't, uh, we're, we're not really bothered. Also, the that's, cinema photography was good in this as well. That's also, the reason I love a lot of the Coen Brothers stuff, because the ending's always so, like, benign. And, and usually like, anticlimactic. Yeah, they're, they're so, like, middle of the road. I, I will always... I'm going to be so hypocritical when you guys do um, No Country for Old Men because my issue that I just had is why well, I Well, sure, sure. Well, just, let's try not to do, to yeah. give it a takeaway. But we'll, we'll bring it back yeah. for No Country. That, that, that'll yeah. happen. I'll bring it back. Now when I know you're a bit, a bit of a Cohen head, I'll definitely make sure you get back for that one. Because uh, I'm with you. I mean, the Cohen brothers and their stuff can be anticlimactic. I was okay with it. I found this to be, I found this film to have closure. Yeah, I did. I thought that last scene was, was, was just a nice way to wrap it up. I yeah. wasn't left going, it felt like an ending. It was an end point. The oh. bad guys are in jail. Yeah. Well, if I could have my grumble, um, <laughs> that could be your grumble. <laughs> I thought you were piling on the accents as well. I thought no, you were saying, "Oh, you were just getting was, a freebie." That and was just me. That's you at the grumble buffet. <laughs> that was me getting involved Agreeing in the conversation. That's, I know that's, I don't and that's what we like do to do. That, here. But I thought that was an open thing. Well, usually it's because. Well, usually it's your um, lag. So you, you got to <laughs> just <laughs> for safety's sake. What what have you got to say for your grumble? Um, so I felt like something was missing from the ending. Um, so I would have liked to see more with wrapping up with Jerry. I wanted to see more of his comeuppance and him realizing what he'd done rather than just throwing another tantrum. And part of that was because I wanted to see more with him and Jean. But then I realized afterwards that Jean was probably dead. So that, that yeah. wasn't actually going to happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I think it's so I was I was hoping that Jean was still alive and that we were going to kind of see the realization of how he destroyed his family by doing it like even if it had been successful and also how much does this guy hate his wife like why the fuck would you do this well i think to your wife it's he, ridiculous he clearly said this was supposed to be a no rough stuff kind of deal so you get my wife you but put her away you're gonna have ptsd 
if someone comes and kid- kidnaps you while you're held for ransom? That's not something you do to someone you love. You must this absolutely hate her. This, this isn't a good character. No, he's not a good guy. Well, clearly. Yeah. Anyway, back to my grumble, um, because that wasn't actually it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, another grumble. How much you hate her. At the buffet, um, another one of these, please. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It did feel a little bit hollow at the end, but then I think that's kind of the point of the film is that Margie and Norm's hollow life is actually where, you know, they are happy and oh. they have everything that they need. So is it hollow? I don't know, this is why I'm struggling to to kind of place it in a rating because if it I may, what, a empty what makes end. it hollow what their life yeah there's no excitement in it it's dull no excitement she's a police officer who just shot a guy in the leg and saved everybody who their life that's her life he just got he just painted something that's going to be on a state stamp yeah that's pretty cool they're happily married they're gonna have a baby they They're love each other. They're watching a documentary about beetles in bed, and one of them's asleep. Oh but isn't that isn't that's that the dream? Isn't that a snapshot dream. of what real life is, though? Yeah. Real, real life no. is sitting side by side in bed, one person falling asleep, someone else watching the documentary, not quite. Says, "I'm going to go ahead and turn it off." Yeah, and the you guys get already the impression that's a constant, not just a like occasional well they're always thing. eating <laughs> <laughs> i okay i agree with this i think i think their life is it is it, quite lovely and seems quite full yeah it's it's sweet and it's okay. you can tell that because they're both clearly content with it it's okay and you can you know it's happy and they're looking forward to the future but it just Every, it's really dull everyone's happiness is different yeah, exactly, I mean, yeah. a Coen Brothers trait is this nihilistic, nothing's important, and there's no great meaning to life. It's kind of a trait that runs through a lot of what they do. Oh, okay. And so, best evidence to No Country for Old Men, but I think there's elements of it here, but they're still working on refining. This is their biggest blockbuster to date at this point. Mm-hmm. So this kind of makes them a little bit more mainstream and gives them more opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, such is. Um, let's, Question. yes. Did anyone else notice the fact that princes in this film apparently there's a rumor that when there's there's a shooting victim i think that this the the blood makes yeah it, yeah you want to walk through it yeah so spoilers prince isn't in the film no. i did this research just out of like Curiosity. why is prince prince's logo is in the credits yeah. um as the shooting victim and i was like oh prince is in this so i did a google it's not it's um i believe it's the storyboardist okay or yeah, uh, and his name, I can't remember. I'm going to very quickly find it. But basically, he just has a running joke with the Coens, which is, I am the storyboardist, uh, storyboard artist formerly known as blah, blah, blah. And that's the only reason that credit is in that film, because yep. the Prince logo has a smiley face in the, the circle. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. The more you know, folks. Yeah. Um, so weird. I would concur. So uh, is this anybody's best role ever? William H. Macy's. Yeah, by far. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say Francis McDermott, no way. I think in this. I think I will. I think it's hard. It's hard. And I'll explain why in a second. Okay. It's difficult. It's a different kind of role. Oh, yeah. I think the hard part is going, so best role, I guess by role, I mean, we usually say best role, we mean best best performance they've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Three Billboards is a better role that she had a chance to do more with. I think there's so much subtlety in what she's doing here. Whereas Three Billboards gives her a chance to run the gamut. It's kind of like the Jodie Foster debate we were having last week where I'm like, she's so nuanced. It's such a controlled thing that I really, really rate it. Next time... 
if and when we do. We will do it at some point. There's of no way we're not going to do three billboards. Absolutely. So yeah. we'll revisit this. We'll revisit this. That's it. fine. Yeah. Yeah, I love three billboards. You know that. So yeah, there we go. So um, there's that. So I will say Francis McDermott, but I, I I reserve the right to change my mind yeah, if I do. rewatch yeah, it and yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, this is better. And it's probably possible. Yeah. As of right now, maybe newer is always better. This is the one I've seen most recently. <laughs> yeah, Therefore, yeah. this is my pick. Uh, nobody else really jumps out. Oh, Steve Buscemi, he's done better things. Oh, yeah. He's good in this. He's really good in this. Yeah, he is but he's good. done better things. Yeah. I've not seen Storm Aaron enough outside of this to be like to hedge an opinion. I've only ever seen him in that video game until dawn which also why has, do you um, always bring video games into our stuff <laughs> oh he's just he's in that same one as hayden panettiere was that i said on uh remember the titans oh, okay it's just such a weird who's thing. this we're talking he's about in that the the um gear is that his name oh the the swedish guy who's much yeah. better in uh armageddon. armageddon yeah he's good in this he's better in armageddon yeah yeah He's a comedian. I think Buscemi's better than getting too, but it's just comedic. It's yeah, just yeah, really, yeah. it's not, I'm not going to say it's better written because it's not, but it's written for that happy audience. Yay. When you look at the body of work that Steve Buscemi has done. It's insane. Wedding singer. Con Air. Con Air. <laughs> Monsters, <laughs> Inc. Monsters Inc. Yeah, Des- Monsters Inc. Good Des- shout. Desperado. Desperado. Is he in that? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, Desperado. Also in Re- he's in Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs. Oh, I haven't yeah, seen that. He's in so many things. Oh, he's so many things. And I'm sure he can do it all. He can do. He can do. He can do horror. He can do kids. He can do drama. He can do comedy. He can do it all. Oh, he's good. Oh yeah, I so forget he's in Spy Kids. He has that one oh, iconic geez. line of, "Do you ever think that God stays in heaven because he fears what he made on earth?" Why are you bringing Spy Kids into my <laughs> podcast, man? Hey, it's, it's the kind of stuff. It's the kind of stuff that gets you uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> I am. It is our podcast, but I am the I am the pod father who who does the scheduling nonsense. And you, you remember I got lost in the mail. You I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna wake up with a microphone head in my throat. <laughs> okay, you're back. In. That was funny. <laughs> so uh, it is that time. I never wanna hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? And as always, a big thank you to Moonlight Social for letting us use that little ditty as our age game theme. Oh, Ellie, what it. you got today? I have got Francis McDormand. Margie is the first one. <laughs> Ooh. Little known fact, she had just adopted a baby before this went on. Oh, so she didn't carry a baby. She doesn't know what that's like, but she'd just become a mother for the first time. So interesting sort of uh, she and Joel Cohen. Um, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say 38. Okay. Ethan? I'm going to go 40. I'm going to go 32. 39. Wow. Who said 40? Me. I said 38. And oh, so between you. Oh, okay. Between me and Ethan, we so got right. All we know for sure is that I'm way out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I won last week. It was a good run. <laughs> Ian doesn't cheat. No, it's um, quite clear. William H. Macy. William Three. H. Macy. 47. Hmm. 43. I'm going to go 50. 46. Oh, wow. You've got like a six sense for this stuff. (laughs) He is old. Wow. He looks old in this. He does, yeah. All right. Who else? Steve Buscemi, Carl. (sighs) Oh. We're saying 96, weren't we? I thought you were saying he was 96. (laughs) No. (laughs) 35. 49. Oh, I'll go 40. What? 39. Hey. Nice. 49? Right, How old like would he be prude. now? Yeah. <laughs> he is a prude. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> true. Um, and Peter Stormare? Gaya? Oh, that's hard because that he hasn't hard. done much. Um, He's also got like that. Eventually, he wakes up with a five o'clock shadow. 42. I'm going to go 
I'm going to go 10 years old. I think he's 52. I think he's 38. He's 43. Oh! What did you say? He's 42? 42. Yeah. Wow. I almost swore at you there. Well and, done. And finally, half Presnell, who plays Wade. Oh, okay. Wade. 52. 63. Out of curiosity, how old was William H. Macy again? 40, uh, 46. Okay. 60. I don't think it's going to be that much between them. No. I'm going to say 58. He is 63, which Yay! is exactly what Ethan said. Wow. Well done, Ethan. So 63 and 40. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, well, it's harder once we'll say it's that age because yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, you've got more, you know, when it's a child actor, usually with one or two because how old can yeah. they be? All right. So uh, let's talk about the critics. Ethan, what do you got for yeah. critics? I'm here to talk critics. So uh, first we have Adam Mars-Jones from The Independent who says, in effect, the Coens have written an action film that disregards the basic principle of the genre. The character is expressed in action and gives it two out of five. What? Which wow. I don't think they get. I I don't think they get the gist of what this film was supposed to be because they say it's an action. Film. I think it's because British people don't like snow. <laughs> no, they don't. Prejudice. And the accent. What are they saying? Yeah, the accent is I me. wonder if it's more difficult for you guys to hear because you're not. Not that I'm super. I'm not super used to hearing it at all. But the idea that it's kind of just within our frame of reference as opposed to you guys where it would be completely foreign. Yeah, it was. It was. That's interesting. It, it kept throwing me. Yeah. Well, I have another UK uh, review which might beg to differ, which is Derek Malcolm from The Guardian, who says, The Coen brothers are among the most able practitioners in America, and this film is one of the best attempts to turn a familiar genre, the true crime genre, into something miles away from the ordinary and gives it a four out of five. Decent. Mm. And then? Then then our boy himself, Roger Ebert. Ebs. (laughs) He says, The screenplay is by Ethan and Joel Cohen, and although I have no doubt that events something like this really did take place in Minnesota in 1987, they have elevated reality into a human comedy, into the kind of movie that makes us hug ourselves the way it pulls off one improbable scene after another. Films like Fargo are why I love the movies, and gives it four out of four. Oh. he's just so good <laughs> um i will just reiterate what he said there when first screening the film gene siskel apparently leaned over to fellow critic and co-host roger ebert and said with a smile this is why we love movies they both went on to call it the best film in 1996 tom hanks said in an interview for cnn that he considers this film to be a perfect film on every level wow wow so everyone's a critic wrong. let's talk about some of ours uh lestat <laughs> Says, never been a huge Coens fan, so not seen this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, it can't be be- but it can't be better for No Country for Old Men or Buster Scruggs. Interesting question for people who have seen a few Coen films. Might just be me and you, Ethan. Oh, is, the, is this the best Coen film? I don't think so. I, mm. I, 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 rate, I rate No Country for Old Men so high. It's hard. So, so do so you, though, you? I do. Yeah. I do. This is fantastic. Fair, I, I rate Burn After Reading so high as well. Burn I, After Reading is very high on my I list, too. That. I'm so yeah. hot and cold with, with the Coens because I hate Hail Caesar and I hate Big Lebowski. I, I, Internet, I hear you. Come at me. Oh, I, God, hate, I forget they I hate Big it. Lebowski. Big Lebowski's trash. Um, it's fine, I guess, but it's so overhyped. It's overhyped, overquoted. Mm. It's just it's just a bunch of, stu- of stupid little send-ups. I don't, maybe I'll see it again and I'll appreciate it. Maybe I won't. But I remember I saw that I went, this is, I've wasted two hours of my life. Um, <laughs> Lady Killers is horrible, but no one here says Lady Killers is any good. So no, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, um, I haven't seen Buster Scruggs, so I'm kind of, but the ones that you're supposed to have seen, I've I think I've seen most of those. That was 
fine. Oh, Brother Wright, though. I really like that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I oh, really, really oh, like oh, Brother Wright. Oh, I've seen that. I do like oh, that. Oh, that. Yeah, uh, good soundtrack as well. I will rate this as... I don't know if I can separate them. I really don't. We'll see what happens when we when we watch it and review it. They're so close. They are so close. I think the <sighs> tension. I think the character and the tension in No Country is just that little bit better. They're such different films. This is a comedy, and Oh Brother, well, not Oh Brother, um, and No Country for Old Men clearly is not. Uh, I. I I'm gonna go with thematic purpose. I'm gonna say no country wins, but it's so hard for me to say that. Mm-hmm. So that's just me. Oh god, I forgot they did. But Barton Fink I haven't seen that. It's fine. Oh yeah, I love Inside Llewyn and De- Davis. I think that is good. <laughs> cool. Anything else you want to read off from the filmography? Or are you all no, right? I just completely forgot. They did. <laughs> There's like a good chunk of my favorite films. I'm realizing are by the Coens. Uh, Russell, the resident posty. Hey, hey, Mr. Postman says, I I always wanted to watch it and was hoping to have done by today, but as usual, lack of time was my enemy. He says Mm. he's still going to listen to the podcast. He'll still watch it. Good lad. Go ahead and give it a watch, Russell. It's very good. It's way late, but now you've heard everything we have to say about it. Uh, All of our fan reviews, I haven't seen this. No, this is the end of it. Uh, Dwayne Smith. Says the Cohen brothers are a pretty formidable pair, and it's safe to say I'm a fan. I watched Plard Fargo pretty late when the TV series started. Frances McDermott is, is amazing as she ever. Is. I instantly feel in love with her quirky Marge and the accent. Oh, maybe it's not a British thing. Uh, William H. <laughs> Macy also stands out. And then there's the brooding Minneapolis backdrop, a character in itself. It's clever, funny, dark, and up there with most things Cohen. I don't really, I never got the idea that Minneapolis was a big character in this. No. The small town sort of area, yeah. Yeah. The lakes and kind of thing. But Minneapolis itself felt kind of sedate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the TV series continues with this left off. Love it. And maybe it's a bigger deal in the TV series. And maybe that pays off more in that respect. Maybe, Don't know. yeah. Griff from the Paul and Griff Show says, Fargo is one of those dark comedy thrillers that is always a joy to watch and put the Cohen brothers firmly on the map. The two kidnappers really do steal the show. It's truly a must-see film. Then we have Carlo, who says, great film, a perfect mixture of dark and funny with great performances from everyone involved. Marge Gunderson has got to be one of the most earnest characters out there. Probably my number one Cohen's film. And you just heard the debate we had. It was really hard for me to pick two and one. Uh, but it's, it's, if it's not one, it's two for me. And so, yeah. And the Film Effect podcast says, hard to believe it's been 25 years. Fargo's an instant cult classic that features such powerhouse performances. Also turning 25 tomorrow is The Birdcage, which they're covering on their uh, podcast, Film Effect, uh, which they call one of the funniest Robin Williams movies ever. When we did our roundtable, we came down with that. We Birdcage ranked for us high. I want to think it was top five for us. I think it was. I think yeah. it was like number four. Yeah, I think so. Uh, can't wait to hear Fargo. Well, by this point, hopefully you have. Yeah, yeah. And and we gave you some love. And so go check. If you like the birdcage, go check that out. I think I'll check it out. I like the birdcage. Um. So now it's time for our ratings. Where are you going to put this? Starting, with, it's up to you if you want it or not. Yeah. Um. I'm going to give it an eight. An eight. Okay. Yeah. Eight. Eight. Uh. Chippers body parts being splattered all over the <laughs> snow. <laughs> You've really struggled with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I didn't think of anything, because normally I put things with yeah. it, didn't I? But, yeah. I? but I didn't, because okay. I, went, I went thinking, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, eight. Eight body parts. Eight, eight, eight body parts not fully chipped yeah. out of ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, Ellie. I really struggled with this. Um, I'm going to go for a seven and a half on this one, I think. Um, definitely liked it. Couldn't decide whether to place it higher. If I couldn't decide a figure, I probably shouldn't. So seven and a half it is. Okay. 
Ethan. I'm giving this nine and a half you betches out of ten. Nine and a half. I, I adore this film. You know what? You betcha is a nice term, and I'm not going to copy your phrase. I'm going to copy your mark. I'm going to give it nine and a half ironically weird promotional snow globes out of ten. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> because I... I was really close to going ahead and sort of Ooh, breaking the seal. Yeah. I was really close. And when it's, oh, I don't have a fault with it. It doesn't mean it hits that part. Mm-hmm. I'm going, I really like seeing it. It's not, I don't think it's the film that makes me tell people yet. You got to go see this. And that's usually my indication of a 10. Yeah. Where I'm like, without any prompting, I'm just telling people, you got to see this. Yeah. It's pretty rarefied air. I've only given two other films a nine and a half. Uh, one of which was the Dark Knight, Dark Knight, and one of which was Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black yeah, Pearl. Yeah, good films. So those are my ones so far. Fargo joins it up there. It definitely deserves to be on my short list. It will be a contender for my best film of the year, without question. At the end of this, uh, that'll be interesting to see our overall best film of the year, and it will be interesting to see our individual best films of the year agreed and i'm just going to go ahead right now and pop the grades in and see where that fits it for us because people often go well where does it actually fit we, we hear your rankings where, where, where does that mean is it goes it the to best film ever is it the best film ever uh Liam, remember you gave it an eight and uh, ellie yeah. gave it a seven and a half and then ethan gave it a nine and a half and that adds up to go it's not the best but i'll tell you what it's, it's gonna crack the top ten yeah. Wow. Uh, it is currently in, I want to say it's in fourth. Yeah. No, hang on. Not. F- yeah, it is fourth. It is in fourth place. It breaks a tie with, uh, with Knives Out. It breaks a tie with Knives Out because it receives higher scores from individual people. So that's kind of how that works. So uh, the win here is for fourth place is it's the fourth best film ever. Fargo and four. I'll take that. Fargo four. Mm. Fargo four, as opposed to <laughs> Thor four. So um, just a quick couple of things on the way out. Uh, I should remind everybody that we've got our, on Friday, uh, Ethan, you and I sat down and we talked yeah. about see it or skip it. We went and checked out the Golden Globe winner for best comedy or musical or comedy at this year's Golden Globes, Borat's subsequent movie film. And we gave that a, a verdict, Liam. Sort of like I gave you some credit for a couple of viewpoints you brought up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Cheers, uh, that's out on Friday. It's, it's, I'll tell you this much. That beat Hamilton. What? Hamilton I was, was expecting it. To. Hamilton I was Hamilton to win. I, 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 I agree with you because Hamilton's not a film. Yeah, and also um, again, come, 2016. Again, well, it's, it's when it gets released, not when it was filmed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come at me, internet. That's fine, but you know, it's not a film. It's a it's 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 a concert film. Yeah, in essence, it's not. You know, so you know, I didn't see a whole lot of guys from Hamilton being nominated for best actor, best actress, but yeah, it, it just shows it was a really light year, especially for comedies and 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 musicals. So. But we talked about it and said, should you see it or should you skip it? Over at the other feed, we've got Wanda Revision on Talking to Mickey. Uh, final episode it should be up by the time you hear this. And so. <laughs> later in the week, we've got Brother Bear. That's Brother yeah. Bear. So uh, let's have to talk about next week. And next week. I'm excited about this. It is our birthday episode, our first anniversary episode. Absolutely. Uh, so if you're out there and you're a regular listener and you're someone who wants to send us in a little birthday message 30 to 60 seconds if you just want to send us something to say here's kind of you know congratulations well done like the podcast 
positive messages, please. Um, (laughs) You don't go to a one-year-old's birthday party and yell at them for spilling cake. That's not... (laughs) I've been waiting all year to say this to you. You know, it's kind of like we're the one-year-old in the stroller putting the cake in our hair. Uh, Please go ahead, come around, and just share some... And we'll we'll play them on the pod. I'm going to keep them all secret from everybody else around the table until we hit play. So they'll Mm -hmm. hear it for the first time live on air. So that that should be... I really hope some people send some in now. It's going to be really awkward if they don't. (laughs) I've already had people on the Twitter, so we've been promoting on the Twitter... Oh, say nice. it here as well you've got until about friday to get your stuff in so if you can find 60 seconds to go ahead i'll probably hit up some people who we had on the show and make sure that they uh if they can if they have time and the capacity that they can go ahead and throw us a birthday message as well and to celebrate that it only felt right episode one we did back to the future we did so we are going to be doing back to the future part two yeah so the full team will be here and that includes ethan i've invited ethan to come join us he's done enough episodes with us over the course of the year he is our kind of number one substitute teacher and it's not just about the best film ever it's about the best film of our podcast universe which has brought us things like see it or skip it which ethan often features on it's brought us things like the round tables it's brought us things like cleared for takeoff and even the whole talk in the mickey side of things as well so all those things have been born out of what started liam with me and you awkward sort of trying to man i went back and listened to parts of episode one the other day i was washing some dishes and went what does it sound like it's a sound quality jeez but we grow but we grow yeah i'm giving that a listen tomorrow now no i'm sorry well if anything we got a few more listens to that we're going back in time so some of you might want to go ahead and go back in time and listen to parts of episode one just to see where we came from and what where we are now our baby steps if you will yeah into now where we're entering we're not quite a toddler yet but we're we're, we're working our way towards it i'm our ve- first year though this is cool i'm very proud of what we've done in the first year i really am and to anybody who's been a part of that journey out there you'll hear us gush a lot more about it next week but thank you so much for being part of it and yeah. uh we've got a little community and i really wouldn't have thought that we no. joke about the three people i genuinely thought only three people would yeah. listen <laughs> and, and and we've somehow made it beyond that and we have this whole cavalcade of personalities who engage with us, who Indeed. share with us, some who download and never talk to us, and thank you for that. Yeah, if you're not, if you're you. not someone who does that, then th- thank you as well. Yeah. But to our regular cast of characters, and we hope we get some stuff from them, uh, it would be great to sort of feature little s- bits of them because they've been such a part of growing this as much as anybody else has. And we'll get to hear your voice. Which has been cool. I remember yeah, we got to hear Carlo at Christmas yeah. time. We did something similar. We got to hear Carlo for the first time. Yeah. Uh, we heard Andrew Shevsky for the first time. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. We heard Tom from Pod Jerky. Yeah. Not that I was the first time. I've no, done no, stuff we, with Tom before. Tom, yeah. But, you know, uh, I think Nick and Russ sent something in. Yeah. So that's always a delight. Yeah, absolutely. So we come like to hear from you. help toast us as we turn one year old and we'll see what the future may bring. We got yeah. some, some feel good stuff coming up. Absolutely. Some big, big, big franchisee because we're getting into the warmer months and we should have big movies and we don't have them at the theater, so let's have them here instead. Yeah. Some laughs. So our, our the winter of our discontent, <laughs> our, our, our three-film train-spotting Silence of the Lambs it's Fargo is, is, is complete for now, yes. And we're going to move into some, into some shinier, into happier some people. Stuff. Yeah, so that'll be I all right. I can't wait to be back when you do films that are so macabre. <laughs> Ethan, you will be, you're definitely on our speed dial when it gets too Absolutely. heavy for Georgia in case of emergency break glass. <laughs> yeah. And we have Ethan in his cage the whole time. That's when I appear. Yes. So we've got that. And in the future, we've also got a uh, clear for takeoff on Ozark. So if you want to get ahead of the game and watch episode one of Ozark in preparation for that, here is your warning on that. And then I just got to pick my show. I recommend you go. Because I haven't done. But I also want to do. I also want to do Bridgerton. 
Yes. So anybody who wants on board for that, I'm. I'm uh, if we can go. If we can go five Gladly. live for that. I will, yeah. I will, we'll, we'll start on a day Gladly and we'll do all that. Because I don't think any of us have seen it, have we? No, I think Ethan, Ethan, Ethan saw it on the couch with his mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> so every episode on Christmas Day, and it was Jeez. the weirdest Christmas I've ever had, not just because it was in lockdown. So That's we're going to do that. And just one last promo before we go. Uh, we are going to be next weekend on Pod VCOM, where the V stands for virtual. Virtual, yeah. Uh, where we are on the, fr- on the Sunday. On the Sunday, uh, we are at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time, which... Sorry, 10 p.m. British time, which I believe is, oh, I don't know if it's a day, but it switches time zones. Oh, it could be. It might be. It might be 5 p.m. It might be 6 p.m. Eastern time in the United States. Uh, take a look. But the best thing to get a hold of, though, is if you like the podcast page on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash bestfilmeverpod. Not best film ever. Best film ever pod. Uh, you will be alerted when we go live. You have to see what we look like, and you can even engage with us in real time. We are talking about holiday movies. That can be road trip movies. That can be films where you go on onto on a different place for a vacation. Anything's up for grabs. We're going to talk through our favorites yeah. i don't know if we'll have the time to talk through the group uh, the, the mask is a 45 minute window but we'll definitely be talking about the best uh holiday car trip anything where you're traveling kind of movies because the theme is spring break cool so uh, if you want to bring up your favorite as part of the conversation that's your little uh, sort of carrot there come talk about your favorite and we'll kind of give our feelings on the ones you bring up as well as the ones we yeah. come up with as a group so that is going to be pod vcom with the v stands for virtual Virtually. and the following week uh, i'm hosting the best film ever film quiz on pod vcom cool. where several other podcasts are going to be appearing as contestants but you can play along at home as well that will be the following week and we'll have information on that coming up um we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll let you know next week when that's officially occurring and you can go ahead and if you're liking the facebook page best way to get a hold of it because that's where we'll be doing it. so very excited about next week please make sure you check it out and please become a part of it if you're one of our regular yeah. people who we talk to we we'd love to hear from you Absolutely. it's it's not about uh, anything beyond just going hey that's what that person sounds like that'd be cool yeah so on um, really as far as that goes thanks for checking us out please join us next week when we turn one year old and do back to the future part two yeah where we go to the past and we go back to the future so for best film ever i've been ian i've been liam i've been ellie and i've been ethan and you know what next week give it a listen download it and sit down because you're carrying quite the load there (laughs) you betcha we'll see you next time we'll catch you on the flippity flap the flippity flip flop All right, uh, Ethan. I- I'm, I'm going to assume you like this one. Oh, once he's just <laughs> abandoned his post upon. I don't. Someone should have really told him that when he's on these podcasts. Like he, the judgment is is part of it. He can't <laughs> run away from that part. Um, I was just going to say what mention what we said earlier about the pregnancy thing. Like how Margie is just completely um, capable in in all. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just seeing snips. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just out of Ethan's head. Okay. You're just gonna have to start that sentence again. That's all. <laughs> sure, Ethan. Sorry, I had to go and stop snitch snips from uh, destroying my TV. Which part are we on?